Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Well, everybody's talking about Biden's age today. Everybody except Joe Biden is talking about his age today because Joe Biden really doesn't know how old he is. But as his age goes up, the poll numbers go down and Democrats are panicking big time. And they're all talking about it with more from David Axelrod, who says, look, the polls ain't lying. All right. Biden's going to lose. Bill Maher saying it. MSNBC saying it. Everybody's saying it. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Hope you had a great weekend and uh, it's Thanksgiving week. So it'll be a short one for all of us. And hopefully you'll get to spend some time with your family and some friends. And you will be shocked as I was when I went and bought groceries this morning. Just at how incredibly expensive everything is. Or maybe you won't be shocked. Maybe at this point you're just kind of used to it. That aspect of life though the inflation costs and how everything is more expensive right now is something that is definitely on voters minds in a big big way as biden turns 81 years old and the poll numbers don't look good the new nbc news poll it's not good and his handling of the war in particular among democrat voters is not good but in voters in general it's not good but, you know normally presidents would get a bump from being a wartime president not this guy because he's such a clown and he screws things up so badly that he actually is, this, this whole thing is hurting him politically, really is. And then, of course, no surprise, last week when they came out and said, yeah, he didn't do anything wrong with classified documents. So why do you have classified documents? And we're prosecuting Trump over it. But Biden, psh, ah, stop. Don't worry about it. No big deal. No big whoop. Don't worry about it. Classified documents. Nobody really believed that that was ever going to be a real investigation, did they? I mean, you, you never really believed that there was a chance Joe Biden was going to be charged with anything in relation to classified documents. Did you? I mean, I, I, I no, right? No. It's like how in New Jersey right now, the king's wife, King Philip the Unaccountable, uh, Tammy Murphy is running for the United States Senate seat. And this is a big deal because Bob Menendez, the corrupt senator, uh, is, is still running. So the king's endorsement of his wife means that all of the power brokers are going to back Tammy Murphy. And her voice is still being heard in a radio ad that is paid for by taxpayer dollars. And it's to promote, I don't know, uh, kids' health, some women's health. Some, what, what it's promoting is irrelevant. The point is that taxpayer dollars are being used to promote her, Tammy Murphy. That's what Democrats do, though. They get away with this stuff. It's just like how 
Biden doesn't get in trouble for classified documents. And uh, yeah, I mean, and Trump does. Trump faces federal time over this. No charges for classified documents. This is what the House Intelligence Chair said a short time ago. House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence Chairman Mike Turner said that President Biden has been revealed as a serial classified documents hoarder and that a lack of charges for the commander in chief in connection with the violations would send a devastating message. And he has an exchange with Margaret Brennan from over the weekend, which I'll play you in a moment. But that's what we're hearing right now. That it's going to be. Ah, don't worry about it. It's like just in general how the Bidens get off with everything. But this is this is the frustration. And I do think there is a, a part of America that that sees the double standard and feels the double standard. And um, it just really offends them, you know, and maybe it would offend them less if times were good, if the turkey that you're buying was not so expensive this year. But uh, times are not good economically. So that's when people get really, really offended and not as offensive as any of the pictures of Kelsey and Taylor Swift, but uh, offended nonetheless. And they don't like it when it's shoved in their face, the corruption, when they're hurting and it just bothers them. The other thing, too. And Bill Maher made a great point Friday night in real time when he talked about how San Francisco cleaned up the streets and how they did it seemingly overnight. But it was it was a sham. It was done for the Chinese. It was done for Xi Jinping. And the argument from San Francisco was, well, we had guests coming. And Maher's point was, listen, if that's if that's the argument you're giving to your residents, that we only clean up when we have guests coming to the house, that then that, that sends a terrible message. And cities across America are feeling that message. Bill Maher also went on and made the point that Biden is too old. He's too old. And whether or not he's capable or not is irrelevant because perception is everything. And people believe that Joe Biden is too old to do the job and he's going to lose. He's going to lose. So that's why David Axelrod came out over the weekend and doubled down saying that Biden has a 50, 50 shot, but he thinks he can cheat nature. And he's running the same strategy as Hillary Clinton did in 2016. That strategy was Donald Trump will lose. Not that I'll win, Donald Trump will lose. And what Axelrod is saying here is that if you run with that strategy, the results are going to be no better than Hillary Clinton's results in 2016. Think about it. She never even went to the Rust Belt states. She didn't think she had to. She just assumed, like so many Democrats did at the time, as the polls did, that Trump was going to lose because he's Trump and that's the end of it. And so you don't even have to worry. It's not about winning. You just have to, he's going to, he, he's already lost. So don't worry about it. And you run, and they ran a lazy campaign and Biden's running a lazy campaign now. I mean, he's barely out there. I don't even know if he's on the ballot in New Hampshire yet. He's barely out there. And so the question becomes, at what point do they wake up and realize maybe Trump's not the liability you think he is? And that's the message of guys like David Axelrod, who is Obama's guy. Obama's genius, Obama's guru who got him into the White House. That's the message that Axelrod's saying. You know, if you think that Trump's going to lose and that's your strategy here, I got news for you. That's not a good strategy. We've seen this happen before. Of course, Democrats will come back and they'll argue that, well, look at 2020, but there were a lot of different variables in 2020, particularly COVID, particularly that Biden was hiding in his basement, and particularly about the fact that, and I'm not even bringing up the cheating yet. I'm just simply saying that Biden back then, was in a completely different state, a completely different mental state that he's in now. Now the guy's so friggin' out of it. I, I mean, three years has been bad for him. Like, Trump is the same. I, I know that to the left, they think he's gotten crazier, but he still sounds like himself. Biden sounds like a completely different person now. I mean, even Saturday Night Live is making fun of him. Even Saturday Night Live skewering him 
with all of his flubs, his teleprompter flubs, his, his awkward dodges, foreign policy blunders. MSNBC spent so much time on Meet the Press this morning, on Sunday, and MSNBC, NBC News, of course, the parent corporation being Comcast. They spent so much time on this NBC News poll, and the whole time I was watching it, not at the time, because I'm not watching it live, but when I was looking back on it, I just kept thinking to myself, man, they're devoting a lot of time to how Biden is going down. And they have all these forces out there that are saying that, that, that Biden can't win, and they're saying it openly, and they're saying it loudly. And they're saying it to a point where now it's becoming very difficult for people to ignore. So Axelrod, who is, I think, the one of the two smartest people in Democrat politics, he talked to Maureen Dowd of the New York Times. She did a, a column. She said in a, a defensive. She did a defense of him. And particularly the word that Joe Biden apparently called him, which rhymes with brick and is a is a thing for, you know, male genitalia. Uh she defended him in this and said, look, you know, Axelrod may be one of those guys. And Axelrod said the same thing, but she said he is not really. And she disagreed in her column on Sunday with the president. She said, I've known him since 2007. And if I had to pick a noun to describe him, it would be a mensch. So when Joe Biden privately employs that epithet for Axelrod, according to Politico's Jonathan Martin, it's bad for a few reasons, she wrote. Criticizing Biden for punching down at the strategists who helped elevate him onto the ticket with Barack Obama in 2008 and defended him when they wanted to dump him from the ticket back in 2012 to put Hillary Clinton on instead. And she spoke with Axelrod and he said, look, I don't care about them thinking that I'm a P word. That's fine. I hope they don't think the polls are wrong because they're not. And he doubled down on his assessment of the current prospects for the Biden campaign. He said, I think he has a 50-50 shot here, but no better than that. Maybe a little worse. He thinks he can cheat nature here and it's really risky. They've got a real problem. If they're counting on Trump to win it for them, I remember Hillary doing that too. And Maureen Dowd agreed. And Maureen Dowd says that Biden's flash of anger indicates that he may be in denial, surrounded by enablers who are sugarcoating a very grim political forecast. And she, too, seemed to double down on Axelrod's original advice to Biden, who turns 81 on Monday. Today, she wrote the following, quote, Biden craves the affirmation of being reelected. He doesn't want to look like a guy who's being driven from office, but he should not indulge the Irish chip on his shoulder. He needs to gather the sharpest minds in his party and hear what they have to say, not engage in petty feuds. But the sharpest minds in the Democrat Party, Biden, at least not Biden, but the people in his closest atmosphere, they know what the sharpest minds in the Democrat Party are saying. They're saying, get out, get out of the race. You can't win. You can't win. So get out of the race and do it now. So we have time to get somebody else and do it in a way that we can figure this out so that we're not in a situation where we have a bitter, nasty Democrat primary and we're stuck with somebody who we can't control. Because they want to make sure that whoever the person is they have in there is somebody they can control. They want a puppet, obviously. That's what they're saying to him. And if you get the sharpest minds in the Democrat Party in a room, they're all going to sound a lot like what David Axelrod and James Carville and Bill Maher are saying. They're they're all going to say these things. And in the midst of all of this that's happening, you've got this mess in the Middle East, and people do not think Biden's doing a good job with this. And Biden looks on the world stage, his moment to rise to the level of being on the world stage in the middle of a war 
and turn around and look like a wartime commander in chief. And he appears confused. He's struggling to pronounce names. He's, he's next to these world leaders. He stands up there. He can't pronounce their names. He's, it, it was, it was, it looked, it just looked terrible. It looked bad. Biden's looking around the camera, the other faces of the group. He's got a confused look on his face. And then he's called on to speak. And he then grabs the arm of a dignitary, dignitary next to him as he walks to the podium, where he starts by apologizing for keeping everyone waiting at the event. And then he gets very confused as he speaks, uh, speaks at this Apex Summit. A conservative on Twitter responded, how long are we going to keep pretending about this with Joe Biden? How long are we going to keep pretending? <clears throat> and you have some people defending him. You do. You have some people coming out and defending him. But how do you defend him when he says creepy things like this to a, to a little girl in Virginia, in Norfolk, Virginia? He was at a Friendsgiving dinner with service members and military families from the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower and the USS Gerald R. Ford at the Norfolk Naval Station in Norfolk, Virginia. And this is a creepy moment with Joe Biden. I don't know how you defend this. Cut number seven. Thank you. Thank you. And I love your ears. I love them. They're really cool. What's your name? Catherine. Catherine, what a beautiful name. That's my mommy's name. Well, nice to see. How old are you? 17? Six. Creepy is what it is. It's creepy. It's creepy. And it comes across creepy. It comes across like a creepy old man. Like, hey, you want candy? That's how it comes across. And the perception of Joe Biden is the reality. Let's face it. Yeah, I mean, that's unscripted. Nobody in the teleprompter said, go over there and, and, and tell a six-year-old girl she looks like she's 17 years old. And I, I, as a father of a seven-year-old and a three-year-old, I would not want somebody, an old creepy man, coming up to Claire and saying, how old are you? Are you 17? No, I, I, she's just turned seven, as a matter of fact. You freaking weirdo. And, and don't give me that he's just, you know, a charming old man with grandkids and, and he's just, you know, being being folksy and, and Joey and everything. No, it's, it's creepy. It's just creepy. You know it. I know it. And the dad of the audience knows it, too. You have to say, what do you look, seven, what are you, 17? Huh? Are you of the age of consent? No, you just, you just, you know, go over and say, I like your earrings. I, I have granddaughters, too. You make, you make, there's a way to do it that doesn't sound like you're freaking 500, you got to stay 500 feet away from a school. You know what I mean? There's a way to do it that makes people think you're not on a list and that you're not allowed to be around children or zoos, petting zoos. But he just doesn't have the ability to do that. And so people cringe. It's a cringeworthy moment. The perception of Joe Biden is everything. As Bill Maher said to Donna Brazil the other night, and this is the reason why he said that, that Joe Biden's going to lose, because he, he comes across as a doddering old man. Whether he is or he isn't, that's how he comes across. It's how people perceive him. Cut number six. Cut six. Everyone ages differently. I agree. I've said. And and, you know, so so Betty White lived to be ninety nine. Mick Jagger is still twisting his ass. Right. (laughs) I have been the one making that case year after year here against ageism. I always said it's a case by case basis. But but for that argument to have teeth. But all, you also have to be the person who can go, yeah, but this is the case. And it, I, I've said it before. Do I think Joe Biden can do the job? Absolutely. Yes. I don't think he can win the job. And that's what I care about. He's going to lose because the people think he's too old. And perception is reality. Perception is reality. They also think he's creep. They also think he's a creep factor. And they think he can't handle the war. That, that, that he's doing a terrible job with this. And young people in particular think Joe Biden's doing a terrible job. 
So they brought out Steve Kornacki and, and Kornacki's looking at the polling. And again, at, like David Axelrod said, you can pretend as if the polls are bad and the polls are wrong, but they're not. And you can think to yourself that, yeah, Trump's going to lose this one, so we don't have to win it. But that's not the case. Trump is not going to win this for you. Because Joe Biden is in a really bad spot as a candidate. So here's what Kornacki said on Meet the Press. They devoted a very long segment to this. This is actually very long. Not this particular clip, but if you watch the whole thing, he's on there for a good five, six minutes with Kristen Welker going over all of this. It's a lot of time to meet the press to devote to Joe Biden's poll numbers. Now, they're not devoting as much time to the scandals around Joe Biden. And there's a reason for that, too, which I will explain for you. There's a reason why they're not. And the reason has to do with this is about Joe Biden. They want Biden gone because they think he's going to lose. But what they don't want to do is, is taint people's perception of the Democrats as being corrupt. So that's why when there's a story I have in my stack today from Newsbusters about a bunch of scandals that the corporate media is ignoring, I understand why they're ignoring it. They're ignoring it because they don't want people to think that Biden's getting out because he's corrupt. They don't want corruption to be the air around it. That's why they're still covering for him. But they, but, but they want him out because they think he's going to lose. And what they're terrified of is that they will lose all the goodies when Trump gets in there. As much as Trump would be good for ratings, and he would. And deep down inside, as people that get paid for ratings and ratings numbers, as individuals, they all want him to win. But the problem is they, they work for corporations, corporate media, and those corp- the corporate media knows that Trump is a danger to them in so many different levels. And that's why they don't, they can't, the deep state, they can't tolerate, risk it, they can't do it. So they're devoting just an awful lot of time to spending on Joe Biden's no good, very bad, horrible poll numbers here. Cut four. Okay, so if we are heading towards Trump, Biden, a rematch in 2024, how does that look in our polling right now? Here it is. Donald Trump, we have at 46 percent. Biden, 44. And this is significant because this is the first time in the history of our poll that former President Trump beats President Biden still within the margin of error, but still significant. Yeah, it's 2019, 2020, when Trump was president, he trailed all of them. This year, he's trailed all of them in our poll. First time in more than a dozen polls, we've seen a result like this. Some of the other ingredients that go into that, Biden has long had an advantage over Trump on likability. Look, at the start of this year, 39% said they had a positive view of Biden, barely 30 of Trump. We've seen consistently a gap like this. Now the gap is gone. 36 positive on both and actually Biden one point more negative than Trump. That's been a significant advantage for Biden. Our poll says that advantage, at least for now, may be gone. And we talked about younger voters on foreign policy and it's true on a host of other topics. Disaffected with Joe Biden. We have 46 percent for Trump, 42 percent for Biden among the youngest voters, the youngest voters in the 2020 election where Biden plus 26, this could be a massive sea change. Now, you know something I heard, uh, who was it, Juan Williams, I think today on Fox News, was defending that and saying, yeah, but at the end of the day, the Democrat, the, the young people will vote for him if it's a choice between him or Trump. Uh, again, that's exactly the strategy that they used in 2016, which is that, well, it doesn't matter if, if black voters, Latino voters, and young voters are not with Hillary. They will be when when you need them to be because of Trump, but they weren't. And this is the same exact problem the Democrats have now. They're all assuming, oh, but don't worry, when it, when it, when it counts, they'll come back. They'll come back. I don't think they will for two reasons. Number one, 
if they were ever going to come out to vote against Trump, it would have been in 2016 when they were so just terrified of what he would do to the world and he was going to be the next Hitler and everything like this. It's not now when none of those things came true. When he was president, the world wasn't bogged down in, a, in, in, in war like it is. And, and obviously, journalists were not put in internment camps. The government did not prosecute political enemies. I mean, those things didn't happen. And people were making more money. So those same people now have seen and they've heard all the fear mongering and everything. And they didn't come true. But there were a lot of other things that they appreciated. And that's not. They just may stay home. They may, they may cast a ballot for Trump, but they may just stay home. And that's a problem. For Democrats, obviously. And yeah, I'm assuming Trump's going to be the nominee because the latest polls have him still double digits over Haley and DeSantis. And I keep hearing how there's still time and things could change, but this pattern is not changing. And Nikki Haley was on Fox News today going on again about how she wants to ban TikTok and why she wants to ban TikTok and blah, blah, blah. I mean, she's 50 points behind Trump in Iowa. She's not going to be the nominee. So enough. I stop pretending. Short of death, Trump's the nominee. It doesn't matter if he gets convicted of a crime. It doesn't matter if he's in jail. He's going to be the nominee. And and, that, and, that, and and I know that that makes DeSantis supporters angry at me. I don't know why it does. I, I'm just looking, I'm just looking at, at the balls and strikes, and I'm telling you the truth. You know, the, the, the chance to stop him was a few months ago. It's not now. You can't overcome leads like that. There's just no way to do it. It defies political reality. I'm not saying this because I want Trump. I'm not saying this because I don't want Trump. I'm saying this because it's just political reality. It's just the nature of politics. When you've got leads that are that massive and a guy who's so vetted already where there's no surprises and whatever surprises come out, people would be at this point like, eh, eh, well, you know, just kind of shrug their shoulders like, well, it's Trump. How do you overcome that? What's your secret to, to, to overcoming that kind of a lead? And and especially if the others are not going to get out of the race and, and back one candidate to go mano a mano against him, you, there's no you just don't have a pathway there. That's political reality. And if that offends you because you support Haley or you support DeSantis and it does, you don't want to listen to the show anymore. That's OK. I understand. But I'm just telling you the political truth. I'm not I'm not doing this with some sort of secret agenda here. I'm just telling you the political truth. Democrats have realized that. You know, Democrats have realized and they've accepted Trump's going to be the nominee. And that's why they are making the moves they're making now, because they think he wins and they're terrified of him winning. So you just have to sometimes accept reality, whether you like it or not. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. All right. It's uh, Monday. It's a big week ahead. It's a short week, but it's a big week nonetheless. And we got a lot to get to, including how the first lady of New Jersey Tammy Murphy using your taxpayer dollars to promote herself as she runs for the United States Senate. Don't go away. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. 
the biggest sports radio stations in the country, providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams, all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives, streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This is the only show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. All righty, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Great to have you with us today on a busy, busy Monday because uh, every day is busy even during holiday weeks. So the question is, what's going to happen with Joe Biden and the classified documents? Now, you know, they're, they're trying to put Trump away in prison for this. And it looks like Joe Biden's going to get off easy. Again, shocking. I know. Uh, the double standard for Democrats versus Republicans. The double standard that is just out there and you see it, I see it, we get frustrated by it all the time. Here is uh, Mike Turner. He's the chairman on the House Select Committee on Intelligence. He was on with Margaret Brennan of CBS uh, this week. And he kind of got shot down at the end of it when he starts to explain why Joe Biden really should face criminal charges for uh, these classified documents, why they should not just be simply glossed over. Take a listen. I want to ask you about classified documents um, because CBS has been reporting that special counsel Robert Herr is near the end of his investigation into President Biden and his alleged mishandling of classified info. If there are indeed no charges brought, which is what we are reporting, what do you think the signal will be to the national security world? Well, it, it, this will be certainly devastating, continuing to be devastating to the Department of Justice and to the Biden administration with their two-tier system of justice. You know, Biden has been found to be a serial classified document hoarder over a 10-year period. He's been taking classified documents, some of the most sensitive that threaten our national security home without any protection and, and certainly, you know, a, a, able to, to, for others to be able to access them. Um, there needs to be consequences. Uh, the fact that Hillary Clinton, who had, you know, over a hundred classified documents at home when she was Secretary of State and Vice mm-hmm. President Biden, both under Obama at the same time, were taking classified documents home and, and certainly had them be vulnerable with no consequences shows the Department of Justice is not pursuing Democrats. Um, well, as you know, there is a difference with the case against President Trump, who refused to hand over documents fully and violated the Espionage Act. That's the charge against him because he didn't well, work is, with the government to no hand those over. Biden, Biden, Biden had these documents for yeah. over 10 years. You can't hoard documents in your home for a, a decade-long period, concealing them, taking them home as a senator and vice president, and then suddenly say, hey, two weeks while I was president, I, 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 I cooperated, and therefore, you know, it doesn't count that I spent yeah. 10 years as a serial classified document hoarder. All right. Uh, well, we're going to have to leave it there for today. Thanks, as always, for joining us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't. It's, uh, you know, I mean, we got to make a, we at CBS News have to make a distinction here between him and Trump. And that is that uh, he cooperated after he got caught uh, many, many times. Then so it's all good. It's all it should all be forgiven. It's like, what? Stop. Just stop. Uh, Stop trying to make excuses here. Again, if the strategy is this, if they're going to get Biden out of the race, it it can't be about corruption because it taints the entire Democrat thing. And it takes away from Trump. Their whole argument is Trump's corrupt and Trump is a criminal and so they, th- that's why they're still ignoring all these stories about Biden. They're still ignoring all these 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 stories about Biden's corruption for a reason, for a reason. If, if it comes out, then, you know, 
There are eight new Biden family scandals that ABC, CBS, and NBC are hiding, according to Newsbusters. And House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer's November 8th subpoena of Hunter and James Biden and Special Counsel David Weiss's November 7th congressional testimony actually forced the networks to, very briefly, break out of their rut of refusing to report on Biden family scandals. On November 8th, all three networks, ABC, CBS, NBC Evening News programs, relayed the bombshell development, but only spent 100 seconds total. 100 seconds total. All of them combined. It was 100 seconds. And they dutifully repeated the debunked White House line that there's no evidence directly linking the president. Whisked away. And that was it. One day they made the report, and mostly it was made to, I think the the only reason why they even talked about it was because the narrative is, Well, the Republicans are still being mean, meanie pants coming after Joe Biden, even though there's no evidence directly linking any of this to the president. David Weiss, the special counsel, his closed door testimony before Congress was also covered, but barely. The November 7th edition of NBC Nightly News spent a whopping 59 seconds on the special counsel's closed door testimony, which was still better than ABC and CBS. They did ungats, zilch zero nada on special counsel David Weiss's appearance before Congress. They didn't spend any time talking to their sources, working out any investigative reporting to try to get some of the closed door and bring the audience front and center for the closed door hearings in a way that only NBC and ABC could do. And nope, they just they completely. Well, NBC gave him 59 seconds. And ABC and CBS gave Ungats. Ungats is my people's point. Yes. Zero. Correct. Correct. Some of the cases that have been censored in just the last month include the discovery of checks actually written out to President Joe Biden himself. Something Biden supporters and Jim Comer's critics have been clamoring for and insisting did not exist. The following are eight new developments in the Biden family corruption scandal over the past two months the networks have censored. That Joe, the big guy Biden, got $40,000 from his brother James via laundered China money. That's a lot of money. And the amount of uh, coverage that ABC, CBS, and NBC evening and morning shows dedicated. Henry, got the answer for me? The combined total? Morning show coverage, evening and morning? Zero point zero. Correct. Joe Biden used a pseudonym in over 82,000 emails, including one notifying Hunter about a phone call with the Ukrainian president. That was a big deal. Big story. Big story. Now, how much coverage that Joe Biden was using pseudonyms and even one that had to do with an email with Hunter Biden and the phone call with the Ukrainian president, including that one, the total amount of time, ABC, CBS, and NBC evening and morning show coverage is... Zero... Point zero. Correct. U.S. attorney claims he was blocked during his probe of Hunter. Never in his career has he seen anything like it. So it's an October 30th Wall Street Journal report that House Republicans continued to unpack the Justice Department's botched Hunter Biden probe. And you had then Attorney General Bill Barr. Bill Barr had tapped this guy Brady to vet information related to Ukrainian corruption. And he claims he was blocked like nothing he's ever seen in his entire career, the total amount of time 
dedicated by ABC, CBS, NBC evening and morning show coverage of that revelation. Zero point zero. Correct again. Biden appointed U.S. Attorney Martin Estrada claims he couldn't charge Hunter Biden because he was resource strapped. So the United States attorney from Los Angeles, Martin Estrada, told lawmakers he refused to partner with federal prosecutors from Delaware last year to charge first son Hunter Biden with tax fraud, saying his office was simply too resource strapped to assign anyone to the case. He was, of course, he's an appointee of Joe Biden. He confirmed he balked at charging his boss's son while ducking taxes linking foreign income. And this was all before the House Judiciary Committee and a transcript that was reviewed by the New York Post. And it confirms the claims of IRS whistleblowers who said that they were they were obstructed by the U.S. attorney in Los Angeles and the United States attorney who oversees the District of Columbia and Maine Justice, of course, as well. The amount of coverage given by ABC, CBS, NBC evening and morning show coverage is zero point zero. Correct again. See a pattern here. Joe Biden got a $200,000 check from his brother James on the same day that his brother got a check for the same amount from a hospital firm. President Biden received a $200,000 check in 2018 from his younger brother James on the same day that he received the same amount from a U.S. hospital chain by promising to secure a Mideast investor, according to bank records. This summer, Joe Biden said, where's the money? Well, we found some. Said House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer in the video that he posted to social media on Friday. Comer said that James Biden wrote the check to his powerful brother as a loan repayment without providing further context. And even if this was a personal loan repayment, it's so troubling that Joe Biden's ability to be paid back by his brother depended on the success of his family's shady financial business dealings. Joe Biden has received a total of $600,000 in loans from the since-defunct rural hospital operator AmeriCorps Health in 2018. And James Biden, the president's brother, procured $600,000 in loans from AmeriCorps based upon representations that his last name, Biden, could open doors and that he could obtain a large investment from the Middle East based on his political connections. Now, can you guess the amount of coverage dedicated by ABC, CBS, and NBC on their evening and morning shows combined, zero point zero. Right again. That Dean Wormer is one smart cookie. He is a very, very astute man. He's like the Nostradamus of our times. A form from the FBI shows that they knew the Hunter Biden was le- Hunter Biden laptop was legit even before the 2020 election. The FBI knew the contents of the Hunter Biden laptop feature in the New York Post reporting ahead of the 2020 presidential election were real. According to a newly released form DFD 302, which summarized the Bureau's interview with Hunter Biden's former business associate, Tony Bobolinsky. The FBI interviewed Bobolinsky on October 23rd, 2020, after the New York Post story contained emails from the Hunter Biden laptop archive that Bobolinsky was copied on. Bobolinsky told the FBI he knew the emails were legit. And he had records of the emails on multiple cell phones. In addition, the New York Post published Hunter Biden's emails in which Bobolinsky was copied. His name was not redacted from the FBI's published emails. The amount of coverage given by ABC, CBS, NBC evening and morning news shows is... Zero point zero. And I could go on. There's three other stories, but I think at this point you get the drift. 
And so that's the thing. The media is continuing, the corporate media, to hide the Biden corruption while they do go on about how he's losing. And that is um, deliberate, I think, because they don't want the, the they don't want him to be tainted with corruption. And they certainly don't want it to look like they're pushing him out because of the corruption. And they don't want it to seem in people's minds, well, Biden's corrupt and Trump's corrupt. And so they cancel each other out. And that's why they still bury this stuff. As at the same time, they dedicate so much of their time, so much of their time to talking about his falling poll numbers. It's a dichotomy for sure. One that I have just unpacked for you in a way that only I can. All right, listen, we know that uh, the holidays are here. We know that falls in the air. We know the grill misses you. And we know that there's great opportunities like tonight, for example, to fire it up. What you need, you need some friends, you need some family, you need some great food. You need my name, Zioli, at omahasteaks.com. Because when you use my name, Zioli, you're going to get $30 off your order at checkout. And it is the Omaha Steaks Fall Cravings 50% off site-wide semi-annual sale. That's 50% off all your favorite tender, juicy, extra-aged steaks like their Butcher's Cut Filet Mignons. All you got to do is go to omahasteaks.com today. Use my name, Zioli, at checkout. Get an extra $30 off your order. These are the best steaks ever. And let me just ask you this question. In this economy right now, with inflation everywhere, who's giving you $30 off a checkout when you buy premium quality American steaks, baby? Who's doing that? Nobody's doing that. Omaha Steaks is doing that. That's it. 50% off site-wide and $30 off your order when you use my name, Zioli. And the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless value on incredible entrees, scrumptious sides, decadent desserts, and more. All of them 50% off during their semi-annual sale. Every bite backed by their 100% unconditional guarantee. I had a story the other day about how Bill Gates is buying up all this farmland. And this is part of his climate change agenda. You know, they want to drive out family farms, just have these big conglomerates. And, you know, China keeps buying up farms. They keep buying up a lot of food companies, too. For five generations, Omaha Steaks has been a family-owned company. Five generations of family-owned American expertise means uncompromising quality you can trust right from America's heartland, Omaha, Nebraska. Beautiful stuff. Every steak, every entree is flash frozen, vacuum sealed, and ready when you want to grill, backed by their unconditional guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go there right now. OmahaSteaks.com. 50% off site-wide, perfect time to grab fall grilling favorites, load up cozy comfort meals, and so much more. Use my name, Zioli, get $30 off your order at checkout, and do it today because the semi-annual sale will not last. OmahaSteaks.com, code word, Zioli. Thanks for listening to the Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Okie dokie. 855-839-1210. So, yeah, so I, it, it's, it's very obvious politically what's happening. And, you know, I, I just have a problem with uh, this denial that I think uh, people have right now that the Democrats are not up to something behind the scenes. I, I mean, come on. You got you to gotta be honest. To me. They, you know as well as I do. They've decided Trump's going to be the nominee. They're freaking out. They're panicking. They're, 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 they're nervous. They're nervous. And, and things like this make them nervous. And again, this is not an anti any other candidate thing. It's just a political reality thing. They've accepted it. He's going to be the nominee. He's just too far ahead in the polls. So barring death or abduction by aliens or something that is so just outside the realm of politics, he's going to be the nominee. Democrats are preparing for that. 
why Democrats want Joe Biden out, because they're very nervous about Trump getting in. And then doing the things that will undermine the deep state that they have hoped that he, they would never have happened to them. You know, this Project 2025, for example, that the Heritage Foundation's put together, that you, all the fear-mongering you keep hearing about in the news, where the, the president's going to go in there and he's going to take a bulldozer to the administrative state. And, you know, these bureaucrats, these tired old mules, they're going to be out the door, showing the door, and the people that try to undermine its agenda will be stopped. There's a lot of people who make money off of that. They are getting worried that's going to happen. They're getting very worried about that. And there's a lot of money tied to Washington. They don't call it the swamp for, for I mean, it's a literally built on an actual swamp, but it's a swamp because it's also a just corrupt place. The richest zip codes in America are all right outside of Washington, D.C. You look at Maryland and Virginia and that whole area, that the richest zip codes in the country, are, they're all right out there. Exceeding Beverly Hills, exceeding that part of California. I mean, it's there. Maryland and Virginia, those zip codes and part of D.C. too. But that's where the money is. So don't pretend like there are not a lot of people who get very, very rich off of the deep state who are worried. They're nervous. And Joe Biden is a guy who will continue because he's corrupt, too. He'll let everybody continue to eat at the trough. And that's fine. And that'll be great. And They're okay with that. Whoever the Democrats put in there will be fine. The person will be okay with it. But since Trump's going to be the nominee at this point, (laughs) because the political reality is just that, they can't risk that they can do business with him because he's got a big axe to grind. Very angry right now. He's very angry with the deep state. You can imagine why. You'd be too. And he said, joking around, that he may have to have a little tiny desk at his inauguration. He doesn't want to wait any time between when he's inaugurated and when he can start doing things and start going after people. Which also makes him very, very nervous. Cut number two. Cut two, Matt. Under the next administration and our next administration, Biden plan for TPP2 will be dead on day one. It'll be dead before I get to the top of the stairs. We have so many different things. I'll give you an example. So, you know how beautiful the inauguration is. You're down and you're walking up these beautiful stairs to Capitol. Everything's so beautiful. As I'm walking up, I'll be signing about four or five different documents. I'm not going to wait to get to the office. I may even have... I may even have a very tiny little desk put on the 20th stair. Because I always like to sign with a desk. Your signature looks much better than holding it up like... But I may have a little tiny desk put up there so that I can sign on the border. I can sign. We're going to complete everything. You know, we built over 500 miles of wall, but we're going to we're going to secure our border. If we didn't have that wall, forget it. And by the way, Mexico paid for a lot of it. You know, they had 28,000 soldiers that they paid. Couldn't get them to pay for the wall because there's no mechanism to do that. How do they pay for a wall that we're building? You know, there was a little legal problem. But they paid much more because they paid for 28,000 soldiers along the border that did a whole beautiful job, you know, with the bullets going both ways. Pancho Villa, do you ever see? (laughs) Pancho They have, they're less politically correct than we are, I can tell you that. And they did a great job. And we're going to do another thing. We're going to be signing something before I get to the top step. I'm seriously thinking about doing this. Uh, We'll knock out TPP. We'll do that. It'll only take an instant. 
but we're going to be signing to do something else. Drill, baby, drill. That's what we're going to be signing. So they're nervous, obviously. And, you know, the fact that Democrats can see the political reality of the situation is it's a defensive posture is what it is. Axelrod is not wrong when he says to Democrats, if you think that Trump's going to lose and that's your strategy, then you got a problem. Now, yes, it is well within the margin of cheating. These polls are very close, but a bigger fear is not so much that they can't pull off, again, massive amounts of electoral fraud, because they certainly can. But you can't, there's only so much you can do if you really just have people that don't want to come out and vote for the guy. There's only so much you can do. And there's only so much you can cheat. You know what I mean? And they also don't want to take the risk. They, they, they don't want to risk going into this and thinking to themselves, well, we can just cheat our way into this. So that's the problem for them. 855-839-1210. Coming up, let's talk about your kids getting groomed in school, your kids, your grandkids, uh, with the investigative reporter for, uh, investigative fellow for parents defending education. We'll have that conversation about the latest that's going on as they try to convince those young minds out there to do all the work of the left. But I want to tell you about my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, because I've been telling you about him for a while now, and he's a great dentist, and my whole family goes to him. Bridget, Reagan, Claire, Patrick, the whole family, and of course my my mother and father, Mama Zioli, discovered him. And the level of care and commitment to dental ex- ex- uh, excellence, excuse me, the level of care and commitment to dental excellence that Dr. Mike and his staff delivers to every patient will make you want to go to the dentist. So if you've been complimenting, comp- <laughs> I can't talk today. If you've been contemplating that big invasive dental procedure and you're nervous, don't be. Just reach out to Dr. Mike Venaria for a second opinion. Free consultation, free dental implant consultation. You know, dental implants are a specialty. It's what he specializes in. It's what he's known for. He's the master of them, and nobody does a better job. Plus, too, great music in the office, great people who work there. It's a great environment, and there's two offices to serve you, Cinnamonson and Woodbury, right over the bridge, easy to get to from anywhere you are, and that's why people travel from all over to see Dr. Mike, and he gets it. You have a choice. A lot of dentists out there, a lot of these chain dental stores. Don't go to the chain dental stores, by the way. Go to the the office of a guy who's been providing care for patients in our region for almost two, three decades. Just doing a great job. That's why so many people coming back time and again, time and again, like Mama Zioli, all the way from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So schedule your free implant consultation today for your perfect smile. Call 856-786-2020. 856-786-2020. Or visit... VenariaDental.com. It's V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. My dentist, my buddy, the master of dental implants, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHD, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. They are going after your kids. Yes, they are everywhere. One of the people who's one of the worst offenders of this, Tammy Murphy, is running for the United States Senate in New Jersey. 
Also using your taxpayer dollars to promote herself on the radio. Imagine that, right? Welcome back to the show. Glad you are here today. 855-839-1210 is the number on Twitter, at Rich Zioli, as we continue along the show. And, you know, I always um, think as a dad and very acutely aware of the topics we all talk about all the time when it comes to our kids. A lot of this has to do with the transgender stuff, the sex stuff, the biological males competing against female athlete stuff, all that stuff. Uh, Parents, grandparents, rightly concerned everywhere about this that's happening. Luckily for us, there's a great group out there called Parents Defending Education. And here to talk to us today, Alex Nestor is the investigative fellow for Parents Defending Education. He's been on the show before. Uh, Alex, how are you? Thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it. Hi, I'm doing well. Sorry, you, Alex. (laughs) That is quite all right. I'm not offended. How are you today? I am doing well. How are you? You know, Matt, you could have said Alex is a she, by the way. (laughs) But I said he's been on the show. Where was I going to jump in on that? Just jump in and say, you know, Alex is not a he. She's identifying as a she. You know, Alex. I I, I know. Alex, my mistake. How are you doing? All right. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on. My pleasure. So now what they're doing to our kids continues to frustrate all of us all the time. Obviously, the organization Parents Defending Education, which I think is really important, what you do, you focus on and how you report on all the goings on at the Free Beacon and I think that people don't realize how early it starts. The latest report that you put out, Alex, shows that this stuff goes on as early as preschool with some of these groups that they have now. And it's creepy. It really is creepy how they're targeting our kids at the earliest ages. Yeah. So as you saw, as you just said in our report, um, you know, with the GSA clubs, oftentimes these are offered to kids as young as preschool going all the way up to 12th grade. Um, And look, I think the most concerning part, like you alluded to, is we have right now over a thousand school districts across the country that have policies that say parents might not know if their child decides to live as another gender identity at school. And so when you have this added GSA club, you know, environment or, or opportunity at school, it's, you know, really unsure whether or not parents are going to know. I mean, there is a case currently in Colorado that two parents filed um, a lawsuit back in May because their daughter was part of a GSA club. They did not know. And their daughter began to identify as a male. So that is really the concerning part here is you have this, you know, GSA clubs, which could span anywhere from a social club to, you know, doing student activism. And you might not have parents involved in the decision of whether or not kids are participating. So let's go through what GSA clubs are. Gender and Sexualities Alliance is what they're called. Uh, GSA Network, as you have on your website at DefendingEd.org, according to the GSA Network, Genders and Sexualities Alliance Clubs are student-run organizations that unite LGBTQ plus and allied youth to build community and organize around issues impacting them in their schools and communities. However, they've evolved beyond their traditional role, and they have emerged as vehicles for deep social change related to racial, gender, and educational justice. First thing I'd ask you, Alex, is what is educational justice? What does that even mean? That's a great question. It can mean a lot of different things, but ultimately it comes back to promoting divisive race and gender ideology in schools. And as you can see on the GSA Network's website there, there's a photo of a GSA club 
um, specifically advocating for abolishing the police because apparently that is an element of protecting children in school. So, right, of course, you have, um, I think, truly some of these did start as a social club, a support group for children. But unfortunately, there's a very, you know, radical activist component to some of these clubs as well. And and going as early as preschool. I mean, that that's the real shocking part of this. You say that there are three different types of GSAs, all of which can directly impact LGBTQ plus youth, social support and activist. And they all have their missions and they all have their goals. And what really it comes across as here in these trainings and teacher trainings and lobbying sessions and school district officials uh, getting involved is that a lot of this goes on unbeknownst to the parents completely whatsoever. It's just kind of this the, this secret society almost. Yeah, and you can see on our website, too, there's a list underneath the research of all of the districts that we've tracked with GSA clubs. It's obviously not an all-inclusive you know, list there, but you'll, you'll see an asterisk next to some of these districts. Those are districts where, like I said before, parents might not be told if and when their child decides to live as another gender identity at school. And that is where a big part of this problem comes in, is this parental exclusion that we are seeing happening in districts across the country. And if you look at that list, you'll see states, you know, red states, blue states, whatever. Um, It does not matter, you know, where you live. You have to be cognizant of what policies your school district is passing and what, you know, quote unquote rights they say you may or may not have as a parent. You know, what I also love about your website is defendinged.org. You have an indoctrination map. So I just went to New Jersey and Pennsylvania and just kind of taking a quick look at this right now. There's there's two school districts in South Jersey that come up, Cherry Hill Public Schools and Kingsway Regional School District. Both of those have been in the news recently for these exact topics. Then you have the districts up in North Jersey that are currently being sued by the Murphy administration because they want to tell parents if their kid identifies as transgender. On the Pennsylvania side, in, in this area, you got a ton of schools. I mean, really, there's, a, there's, a, there's quite a bit right outside of where I'm broadcasting from, Springfield and Lower Marion, Haverford Township. You identify these schools as indoctrination. What is the criteria for a school district to get added to the indoctrination map? Yeah, that's a really great question. So we have a tip line on our map. We also file FOIA requests, public records requests. They go by different names in different states. Um, And so, you know, before something goes onto that map, obviously, whether it's a tip or our own research, there's a lot of vetting that goes through that. You'll see different categories along the side of that map, um, whether, you know, critical race theory, divisive gender ideology, ethnic studies, what have you. Um, You know, so we'll take that research, file it under one of those categories. And what's really important is we try, we, you know, we don't just try, we do verify everything before it goes on the map, either by, you know, asking the school district questions or, again, if it's a public records request, reading through that and writing those things up. So everything there is verified by by our organization before it's added to the map. Alex Nestor joins me. She is the investigative fellow for Parents Defending Education, and it's great to have her on the show today. There are problems everywhere, but there are also people fighting back, and that's what Parents Defending Education is all about, fighting back. So in, as you examine these 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 clubs, these secret societies, these gender and sexualities alliance in schools, rainbow clubs, as you look at this and you find that it happens earlier and earlier, what what is the ultimate goal here? I mean, what is their goal that when kids go into universal pre-K at three 
because that's what the Biden administration wants, that that's really when they first get handed their rainbow, or their little rainbow unicorn when they check in. I mean, is that is that sort of the goal here? I mean, look, you have from the Biden administration all the way on down to a lot of school districts who are trying to, you know, push this stuff on kids. And I think a lot of it is under this broad umbrella of being inclusive, um, you know, might not think they're forcing it on kids, but wanting to make a welcoming environment. And unfortunately, a lot of the ways in which these, you know, whatever it is, club activity, uh, you know, lesson how they're done ends up being, you know, much less inclusive to other, you know, all sorts of different families who wherever they, you know, fall on uh, their understanding or, or belief in the LGBT community, what have you, um, it really just pushes one narrative that's accepted in schools. And that is you have to accept this very divisive, very extreme, uh, you know, race or, and gender ideology in this case. Um, so, yeah, and, and of course, the, the parental um, inclusion element is what I think is the most concerning part, because a lot of times, like we've said, parents might not know that this is going on in their kid's school. So there's another aspect of this, too, and that is police free schools. There's a hashtag, hashtag police free schools. LGBTQ plus youth of color need police free schools. There were two districts recently uh, in New Jersey. You both voted down having a school resource officer and or expanding the local police budgets to cover more school security. I don't know if in those districts it was a, a purely financial decision or not. I don't know. I haven't had time to really dig into it. But I do know that there is this movement out there to say that there should not be any cops in schools, which sounds just stupid in this day and age of crazy people where you would think you wouldn't want to have an armed school resource officer there to help protect the children. I'm not saying to start busting kids if they're having you know food fights or they're burping in class. None of that. I'm just saying to be there to protect the kids. But the left still views a police officer, particularly in a school environment, as a trigger, as an oppressor, Right. Yeah, that's true. And like we've already said on the GSA Network website, that is one of their, you know, elements that uh, is included in trying to make an inclusive environment for all students is abolishing the police and getting police out of schools. And like you said, could be budget cuts, um, you know, trying to be responsible for the taxpayer dollar, what have you. But I would also question whether or not those school districts have purchased curriculum or, you know, have brought in consultants to push this divisive race and gender ideology on kids. Um, Because that's also typically quite um, expensive there. And look, discipline, we know, is a huge issue in our schools right now. Um, Our C4PD Action just did a small focus group with parents, and a lot of them brought to the table their concerns with discipline. School, like classrooms, are out of control. Um, You know, kids are sometimes sent to the principal's office, given a lollipop, and sent right back into the classroom only to distract kids that actually want to learn. Um, And so you're right. Obviously, we don't want kids, you know, dragged out in handcuffs for, you know, flinging food across the the lunchroom. But we know that's not what's going on. There are lots of physical altercations that are happening in schools between students, um, between students and teachers. In Las Vegas, we just saw a, a child who was killed, I believe, near or on school property because he was beaten up by another group of students. So, yeah, our schools are absolutely out of control, and it's pretty shameful to think that the solution there is just removing, um, you know, police officers. I, do, I don't think that is the solution at all to this problem. No, absolutely not. And and I'm grateful for the fact that my kids go to a school where there where there is a, a school resource officer uh, and somebody who's there to help provide protection for them. It's a big part of the reason why we chose the school district we're in. It's a big part of it. 
And I think that there are parents who feel exactly the same way. But it, it, the the notion that police are the problem, which, again, is something to indoctrinate the youth about very early on, right, that there is a, this is an oppressive society and there's a hierarchy and that police play a role in that hierarchy and the oppression. And if you if you if they're around a cop in school and they find out, wow, you know, Officer Jones is a, is a hell of a guy and he looks out for us and he takes care of us. And, yeah, we do think twice before clocking each other when he's around. Well, that that's very hard then to keep pushing that narrative that they're the bad guys. And I think that that's yeah. a big part of this as well. Exactly. Yeah. And that, it's one of the things that's push, pushed by uh, Black Lives Matter at school, too. So you'll see on our website, you know, a list of districts that have participated in BLM at school um, activities, typically during February, which is Black History Month. And that is one of the things that Black Lives Matter at school pushes for is, uh, you know, abolishing police and getting police out of school. So that's definitely one thing that we have seen pop up in schools across the country. And yes, it is all tied into this very, uh, you know, divisive race ideology. Well, listen, we're, we're grateful, Alex, that you're of the great work you're doing over there at Parents Defending Education. And you mentioned there's a tip line, too. So if parents feel as if something is going on in the school district, I know in this day and age now, people are nervous to speak out on social media. A lot of times people are nervous to go to a school board meeting because, well, uh, Merrick Garland did a great job of intimidating parents a few years ago mm-hmm. to stay home. Right. They can reach out to you and you and your organization will do the work for them. Yes. So if you go to our website, defendinged.org, there's a tip line at the bottom there. Or if you email our info account, it's just info at defendinged.org. That's how you can uh, get in touch with us. Excellent. Well, listen, appreciate all your work. Alex Nestor, investigative fellow for Parents Defending Education. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. The Rich Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All right. And... Obviously, one of the biggest problems is that you've got politicians out there who are using schools as indoctrination camp. Tammy Murphy, who is running for the United States Senate in New Jersey, is absolutely one of those people. I'm going to share with you a little bit about what her stance is on all of this, because she wants to be the next United States senator. And most likely, with the backing of the king, she will be. And I'll share that with you as well. 855-839-1210 is the number if you'd like to weigh in. Biden pardoned some turkeys. And Saturday Night Live goes after men competing against women in sports and also makes jokes about Joe Biden. So what's going on over in the speech or the uh, I should say the, the, the sitcom writing room over at Saturday Night Live? What's happening over there? We'll talk about that as well. Don't go away. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. All righty, yes. She was my guest. And thank you for the heads up, Matt DeSantis. Unbelievable. I thought you knew. <laughs> How Alex. do I. Kn- <laughs> we had somebody else from Parents Defending Education on before, but I was thinking of Alex, what's his face from that group? I have no idea. That other group. You know, Alex of that group. Alex, the guy with the group who was the Antifa guy. That wasn't enough information. That's Gabriel Nadalas. Nadalas rhymes with Alex. <laughs> Basically the same uh, you thing. You got me there, I There's guess. some similar letters. <laughs> similar. There's the same letters Close in there. Thinking of that for a moment. Alex Berenson. Alex Berenson and Alex Nestor sound very similar. Just saying. <laughs> I, I suppose. 
I, I've got to admit, I'm not on my A game today. I'm a little oh, tired. No, nobody is. First of all, we, we had a long weekend because I was off Thursday and Friday. And it's a short week. Mm-hmm. And we got the Eagles game tonight. Yeah. And we got uh, nonsense in all over with Taylor Swift. I mean, we can't. We just can't get... Like, she's well, everywhere. But she's not going to be there. Why not? Uh, because her... Uh, Brazil concert got postponed to today because it was too hot uh, oh. this weekend and a fan had died of a heat oh, exhaustion. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I so saw she's that. not going to be there. Uh, well, that's a shame for Travis, right? His good luck no, charm? No, I think, I think that's uh, bad for the Eagles. How? Because there's not this giant, blonde, red lipstick-wearing distraction in the stands. They do better when she's there, though. I'd admit there's probably is a better energy in the stadium, but I also think eyes are a lot of eyes are on her, like the cameras, all oh, the time. But do you think you game. think that Jason Kelsey's distracted during the game, like looking up at his uh, his girlfriend, Travis, 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 whatever, <laughs> same thing. I don't, I you don't think, know. Or I, maybe I, I, maybe jo- Jason is his future sister-in-law. <laughs> He's distracted by that. They having Thanksgiving together. I don't know. They might. I I, they I, might. I I don't know. I think she's a distraction. I think it's a lot of noise. You know outside of the team that may affect the team. And now that she's not there, it's just like, okay, let's focus on football, not Taylor. All right, so the Eagles right now are 8-1, and 9-1? 8-1. 8-1. How are we going to do tonight against the Chiefs on the road? It's going to be tough. I mean, Arrowhead Stadium is probably the loudest stadium in sports. It's it's a very tough place to play. Um, partnered with, like, the cold weather – the fact that the Chiefs are the Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions, beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Uh, Andy Reid, their coach, former Eagles coach, coming off a bye. He's a very good career record. Everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's And the fact that they have no one to cover Travis Kelsey, it's it's going to be tough sledding tonight. It, re- it really is. they got to bring their A game. they got to play almost a perfect game in order to win this. Yeah, Andy Reid's record coming off a of bye is insane. It's twenty-one and three. That does not bode well yeah, for the Eagles. No, really. But the Eagles are also coming off the bye, so hopefully that plays in their favor too. I, I thought you said the bye is not coming tonight because she's in Brazil. <laughs> a bye is a skip a week. That's you a, mean? A, yes. Yeah, yes. Oh, okay. A little, a little break. Gotcha. Well, be a good game. It's too late. A fifteen. It's too late. For a lot of people, you know what I mean. I'm tired now. It's only four thirty. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody wants to watch these late well, games. Yeah, we got it, this season was not good for games. We we got what two one well, o'clock games yeah, the entire like, season. Yeah, it's because the Eagles are just that good. They need them on primetime television. You yeah. Know? I like the one o'clock game. Me I don't too. know if that's a popular popular opinion or not. I know it's exciting to have your team on a nationally televised broadcast, but. I like the one o'clock game. Me That's too. what you're supposed to Let be me tell you something, football. Matt DeSantis. Everybody agrees with you. The one o'clock game is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Yes, All right. Absolutely. I talked about this with my buddies over the weekend. You if you have a Monday night football game, Henry, you're staying up too late. You can't have people over mm-hmm. because a lot of times what'll happen is they wanna the game goes late or they they want to watch the pregame. You want to go to bed. It's eleven thirty. God forbid it goes to overtime. Yeah, and you're kicking people out. Nobody does that. <laughs> You know, Sunday afternoon, 4 o'clock games are good if you're hosting. That's always good. But then, you know, but the 8 p.m., 7.30, 8 o'clock games, not good for hosting for that reason. Totally. So, I, I'm with you there. Yeah. And also, it's fun to have one of those big games, like a Sunday night game or a Monday night game, 
every once in a while, but the novelty right. of it is totally gone this season because it seems like it's every other week. It's just becoming a nuisance. Yeah. Well, I mean, are you even going to watch, though, Matt DeSantis? Because you don't even like sports, so who the hell are you kidding? <laughs> I like football. As, as I've told you before, I watch a lot of football because I'm in a fantasy football league that is important to We me. do have good football discussions. Yeah, that's the only sport that I know anything about. And I only know about offensive players because that's what I need to know for fantasy football. Don't ask me anything about defense. I, I don't know. I couldn't name a single player. Uh, you know, the movie Napoleon looks very good. Mm-hmm. Looks great. The new historical drama, Napoleon, it's uh, written by or directed by Ridley Scott, who is obviously one of the greatest directors ever. He directed Alien and a whole bunch of other movies. Well, he he's gotten some negative reviews, including one that described the new film as deeply clumsy, unnatural, and unintentionally funny. One French critic who also wrote a biography of Napoleon said it was very anti-French and very pro-British. Some critics said the film was historically inaccurate. He discussed those claims in general during a recently published interview with the Times. And he doesn't really care what people think. He said, like all history, it's been reported. Napoleon dies. Then 10 years later, someone writes a book. Then someone takes that book and writes another book. And so 400 years later, there's a lot of imagination in history books. When I have issues with historians, I ask the following. Excuse me, mate. Were you there? No? Well, then shut the F up. (laughs) He added. (laughs) Napoleon will debut in theaters nationwide on Wednesday, just in time for Thanksgiving weekend. It stars Joaquin Phoenix as Napoleon and Vanessa Kirby as Josephine, his wife. I could play Napoleon. (laughs) Why is that? (laughs) <laughs> because of my ability to be a cunning, ruthless uh, warrior. What did you think? Uh, I was thinking the same exact thing. Thank you very much. <laughs> the description says the historical drama will take a look at the military commander's origins and his swift, ruthless climb to emperor, viewed through the prism of his addictive and often volatile relationship with his wife and one true love, Josephine. Ridley Scott said that it was a no-brainer to do a movie about Napoleon. He's so fascinating, revered, hated, loved, more famous than any man or leader or politician in history. How could you not want to go there? But the British director acknowledged that even though there was so much to explore, he kept the movie under three hours intentionally to avoid the bum-ache factor of extra-long movies. He says when you start to go, oh my God, we can't eat for another hour, then that's when people realize it's too long, so... What is it currently getting review-wise on Rotten Tomatoes? I love historical movies like this. I think, I think it's going to be great. I, it looks very good anyway. But have they started to review it? Yeah, so the critics' rating on Rotten Tomatoes right now is 67%. 67%. It's not that great. No, but again, uh, like I've said before on the show, I take the critics' rating with a grain of salt because I think a lot of those guys are bought and paid for. Yeah, oh, they 100% are. No, no doubt about it. No question about it. And really, Scott's reviews of movies in terms of how they review his movies have gone down over the years. But let's not forget something, though. He was the guy behind the movie Legend, which was one of Tom Cruise's first roles in 1985. Remember the unicorns and the freaking fairies and midgets and whatnot? What is that? I've the never, movie Legend in 19... Never you never saw the movie Legend? I, yeah, I've never no. even heard of that either. Tim Curry, David Bennett, Tom Cruise, Mia, Sarah, Tim, and say, uh, they, they, uh, let's see, here it is. I'll, I'll share with you the movie. I can't believe you don't know Legend. Legend, yeah. That's one of the ones I grew up with. Hmm. And it's not that good, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not. It's got a good audience score. Yeah. But he also did, I think, one of the, uh, probably the one of the better 
movies of all time, Blade Runner, in terms of horror and everything like that, and science fiction, Harrison Ford, Blade Runner, that movie they made a lot of sequels to, right? You know what movie I like that he did that doesn't get any recognition? Uh, Prometheus, which was supposed to be oh, the prequel yeah. to Alien. That was okay. I, I didn't love it, but it was all right. I need to watch more of his movies because I'm looking at these now, and I've only seen a couple. American Gangster, that movie was good. Denzel Washington, Russell Crowe, Gladiator. These are all good movies. Black Martian. Hawk Down. Black Hawk Down was great. Martian's a good movie. Yeah, it's pretty good, actually. Um, there's a Gladiator 2 coming out, and I don't understand how that's possible. Because he's dead? Yeah, everybody died at the end of it, didn't Spoilers! They? Spoiler alert. <laughs> right, it's 23 years old. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't watched, you haven't it, watched it by point, now, yeah. don't bother. <laughs> I understand that point. Uh, Gladiator's a great movie. Let's see... I'm trying to think. I, the big holiday season, the big holiday movie season coming up. There's nothing like really catching my eye. Is there in terms of big movies coming out? I, I like this uh, this Thanksgiving movie that's coming out. What is it? Which one? Thanksgiving. That's what it's oh, called. Oh, it's called Thanksgiving. Yeah. Okay. It's a it's a horror like slasher. Movie. Oh, slasher. Well, that's always fun when they do that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's fun because there aren't any Thanksgiving movies, and yeah, my, why not make it like a slasher? I rewatched uh, Black Santa over the weekend, or Bad Santa. I mean, Bad Santa. That movie is. Hilarious. Oh, Billy Bob Thornton? Billy Bob Thornton. And definitely not politically correct. I'll tell you that. <laughs> not politically correct. I watched a strange horror movie this weekend. What was that called? It was called Skinamarink. Skinamarink? Yeah. Um, I was telling Henry about it. I, I didn't think it was all that great, but it seems like a pretentious film that Henry would enjoy. It's very divisive. I was looking at the reviews. People, you either love it or you hate it. Nothing happens in it, which is my... Part of the reason why nobody likes yeah. it, because nothing happened. It, it's an hour and 40 minutes, and basically nothing occurs for giant stretches of time. Uh, it sounds amazing. Gee, I definitely want to pay money to watch <laughs> nothing happen. Please. The ending is... Take my harder money and show me nothing. The ending is kind of interesting. It, it was... So just to set it up. No, bu- no one cares. You no, don't have no, to set it no, up. No, I'm just saying the budget for the film was $15,000. And when I looked it up after I watched it, I thought, what on earth did they spend $15,000 on? Because there's basically nothing going on. Well, if you can make a movie nowadays for fifteen grand, that's not good for Hollywood. No, they, and it's grossed over $2 million. And if you can make one on, what, an iPhone or something nowadays, you know, you, you can use, what do you need big studios for that anybody can become a star? Mm-hmm. You're good and you're talented. But how do you get the distribution? That's my question. Yeah, I don't. I have no See? idea. That's the big question. That's a good question right there. Well, uh, speaking see, of, yes. I was going to ask, did you see Killers of the Flower Moon yet? I know you like Martin Scorsese. No, 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 no. Because you know why? I don't have three and a half hours of my of time right now. Yeah, but isn't it on Apple now? Um, you can like stop oh, and start it. I is think. it? Oh, I I might get be, Apple then. If it's not now, it's it is by the end of the month. It should Let's be coming see. soon. Jane Coffey said, "Rich, the news mentioned that they are having Thanksgiving at Travis's new mansion, and both sets of parents are going to meet there at the mansion." Oh, okay. So the Kelseys are having Thanksgiving together, and they're bringing the new girlfriend. That's makes a statement when you bring the new girlfriend to Thanksgiving. Dinner. Totally, That's, am I right? It's serious. That means it's serious. If you invite the girlfriend to Thanksgiving. That means it's serious. Bottom line. It tells me it's all it's not all for show either. Yes, exactly right. 
Uh, Irk says 1 p.m. games are perfect. Everyone is wide awake and just starting to have a beer, and the game wraps up in time for Thanksgiving turkey. That's true, too. And uh, Sid says, I'm looking forward to Napoleon. I don't know much about him. I know he has a radio show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD <laughs> from 3 to 7 p.m. Thank you, Sid. Oh, I appreciate that very much. Uh, speaking of footage that uh, show things, the January 6th footage, more and more of it is coming out and being released by the new Speaker of the House. That's good. And why is Saturday Night Live actually making jokes about Joe Biden and also men competing against women in sports? What's going on there? Huh? That's a question I have for you. Here's a little bit from Saturday Night Live over the weekend when they made a joke about Joe Biden and the teleprompter and Joe Biden in general. Um, Joe Biden's weird. I mean, this is a strange guy. I played you that clip earlier with him with the little girl. There's another clip about Joe Biden and um, saying he likes kids better than people. But I'll get to that. Here's Saturday Night Live's cold open cut number 10. Happy Thanksgiving. It's me, your old boy, Joe. Now, let's get started Uh, to keep things on the rails. I'm going to read from the teleprompter. Uh, I had a great meeting with uh, President Roman numeral 11. Excuse me, President Xi. Uh, This meeting was a total win. Sure, we made agreements about communications, fentanyl, climate change, but most importantly, we got the thing America really needs right now. More pandas. <laughs> All right. I'd like to open up to questions. First up, Wall Street Journal. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. China relations broke off this past year partly because you called President Xi a dictator. Yeah, that's right. But your summit last week saw remarkable strides in mending that relationship. Would you like to completely undo your accomplishment by calling him a dictator again? I would. All right. <laughs> Next question. See, the problem is that he sounds too energetic. The impersonator who's doing Joe Biden sounds too energetic to be Joe Biden. Joe Biden is not nearly that peppy unless he's slamming Red Bulls or doing whatever Adderall they give him or something in the White House. It's just not. It doesn't sound like him. It sounds like somebody doing an impression of Joe Biden from oh, 10 years ago, maybe, but not this Joe Biden. And here's what I mean. Here's a great, great point. Let's compare that with cut number eight. And this is not a critique of the of the comedian, because I think that if the comedian came out there and actually did Joe Biden, it would sound so freaking boring that it wouldn't be funny. So you got to kind of pep it up a little bit for the cameras because it's 1130 night and Saturday Night Live at a cold open, obviously. It doesn't really sound like Joe Biden all that much. Uh, Cut number eight. And by the way, I like kids better than people. I wish I could stay and watch Wonka with you, but I'm not going to get to do that. Freaking creepy. I'm sorry, but an old man saying he wants to sit around with kids and watch Willy Wonka. It reminds me of a guy who's in a van going, hey, kids, you want chocolate? I got candy. Come on in. Here's again Joe Biden with the comment about I love your ears to that little girl who's six years old. Cut seven. Thank you, thank you. And I love your ears. I love them. They're really cool. What's your name? Catherine. Catherine, what a beautiful name. That's my mommy's name. Well, nice to see. How old are you? 17? Six. Six. Yeah, six. And I think you look like you're 17. See, I, 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 someone, as one of my buddies said, I punched a guy in the face if he said my six-year-old daughter looked like she was 17. But it's creepy. And it sounds like the kind of guy who should not be within 500 feet of a school. That's what it sounds like when I hear him say that. Not the president of the United States. It's, it's just, it's, it's creepy and weird. And then to turn around and go, I wish I could stay and watch Willy Wonka with you, kids. 
let you rub my hairy legs. That's what he did back in the pool in Wilmington, Delaware. He would sit at the pool and the kids would come over and rub his hairy legs. We have that audio somewhere. It's probably on my audio bank. I could find it, but I don't really care. You know that I'm, what I'm talking about. So just take my word for it if you forgot. I had hairy legs. They'd come over and they'd rub my hairy legs. Remember that? Who doesn't? Really? Yeah. Blonde and hairy legs. I've tried Freaking my creepy. to forget about it. Uh, yeah, well, I just reminded you. Yeah, You're welcome. Thanks. Congratulations. Look at that. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Listen, Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. They have some incredible specials going on right now on top of the already aggressive pricing that they have at Cherry Hill Volvo. They want to get you the absolute best pricing possible. And particularly now when they're going through their massive renovation, they are at the beginning of this exciting renovation to the dealership. It's been a family dealership for decades. Judith's father started Cherry Hill Volvo. And that means this is a great opportunity for you to purchase the Volvo of your dreams. So to make room for all the construction equipment, they have, you take the already aggressive, incredibly generous offers and you add on to it with these. An additional $1,000 off all new Volvos plus owner loyalty. An additional $2,000 when financing or leasing through Volvo cars. A $7,500 lease rebate on all plug-in Volvos. The dedicated professionals at Cherry Hill Volvo pride themselves on always delivering the luxury experience that you deserve. And they'll certainly continue to do that throughout the remodeling of their dealership. It's why I have always loved my experiences at Cherry Hill Volvo. And every time I send somebody over there, they always say the same thing. Rich, they took great care of me. Judith Krupnik, Yosef Cohen, the entire team dedicated to giving you an outstanding experience and incredibly aggressive pricing, specials, promotions. They'll, they'll find you the absolute best, owner loyalty bonus, whatever they can do. That's how they operate at Cherry Hill Volvo. And if the car is not right for you, it's not right for you. But I think it will be. So now that we have the new house, we've been doing a little bit of demolition on some stuff. I've had to make a couple trips to the dump, which is fun. I like it. It makes you feel like a man. But I have a lot of cargo room. So the XC40, even though it's not the big SUV like Bridget has, that's the XC90 with the third row for the kids. I have so much cargo room in there. I can load all the stuff in there and drive it to the dump and feel like a man. And it's great. All right. It's a wonderful experience. And then when we do load the kids up in the third row, when we go visit Bridget's family or we go to the Grand Hotel of Cape May in a couple weeks, I know we're safe and sound on the road. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So no matter what, if you go with the S-Class made in South Carolina, you go with the XC40, the S, the XC60, or the XC90, or maybe an electric car, you'll have an incredible experience with people who are working to get you the absolute best price possible. They are the region's most accessible Volvo dealership minutes over the bridge, and Cherry Hill Volvo is where relationships matter. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. A little uh, 80s for you there. Love me some 80s. Nothing controversial about that song after <laughs> Joe Biden's comments. <laughs> to, uh, he, I think he thinks the age of consent is 17. Can we play that clip again? Creepy president, that little girl. Again, as a father, it just infuriates me. If somebody said to my daughter Claire, who just turned seven, look like she's 17, and it was an old dude coming over and saying that, I would, I'd punch him in the face. I would. I'd clock him. Every dad would. Guy, play it again. Creepy bite. Thank you. And I love your ears. I love them. They're really cool. What's your name? Catherine. Catherine, what a beautiful name. 
That's my mommy's name. Well, nice to see. How old are you? Seventeen? Six. What are you, seventeen? Six. Six. That's not be that's just weird. I'm sorry. That's freaking weird. It's just not normal. It's just not. All right, 855-839-1210 if you want to weigh in today on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Let's see here some of the other things I wanted to um, mention to you. You know, I am always looking at threats to liberty everywhere we turn. We see them all the time. Uh, The Trump team's in court today uh, arguing against his uh, gag order because the the gag order is absolutely no question about it. Unconstitutional. Absolutely. There's something else that's going on, too. It's the... uh, the Drug Enforcement Agency has something called Domestic Surveillance Mission Creep. It appears that DEA agents have been employed on non-drug-related investigations for far longer than they were originally authorized. Now, whenever you hear about the DEA, you think about it in terms of going down the border and fighting against probably the drug cartels, right? And that would make sense. But it's not exactly what they are doing these days. They're doing things like domestic surveillance. They're using domestic surveillance and they're partnering with other federal agencies as well. And they are doing these things because they want to have the ability to monitor the citizenry. They were given special authority during the summer of love after George Floyd's death. And the mission of the Drug Enforcement Agency at the time was covert surveillance. That authority was supposed to expire after two weeks, but after pursuing litigation using the Freedom of Information Act, an investigation by the Cato Institute has thus far failed to confirm that the DEA's covert surveillance operations were, in fact, terminated by mid-June of 2020. So it's 2020. They're given two weeks to help out with domestic surveillance during the, the riots, the protests that break out throughout the country, people burning down courthouses, billions of dollars of damage that not a single congressional committee will ever review or look into. So this will be a two-week thing, but it's still going on today. Moreover, Department of Justice documents obtained by the Cato Institute show that DEA has engaged in such non-drug enforcement operations nearly 30 times since February of 2005. Of the 27 specific episodes listed in the documents, four involved providing security at Super Bowls and 10 other sporting events. Five involved unspecified assistance after natural disasters, including after Hurricane Matthew in Haiti in 2016. Three others involved investigative assistance after the murder of local police officers in Dallas, San Antonio and Baton Rouge, Louisiana. None of the 27 episodes appear to have had any connection to the DEA's stated mission of enforcing the nation's drug laws. The question that I have, of course, is when we know that we have this massive, massive fentanyl problem that's going on in our country right now. And we know that it's coming in through the southern border. It's made in China. It's put together by the cartels. But I should say it originates in China and then it's assembled by the cartels and then it's brought over the southern border. I understand that maybe some of these are very noble causes to have the DEA involved in. But with all these federal agencies with guns, I just have to wonder why the DEA is not doing more on that issue of going after fentanyl, for example. I mean, it's a very, very bad drug. I'm not looking for the DEA to start knocking down people's homes if they have, you know, weed or something like that. But we know that fentanyl is a killer and we know where the problem is. We know where it's coming in. And if they just have this much ability to be able to do all of these other law enforcement matters, I I guess the question becomes, well, then who's picking up the slack when you've got this massive problem at the southern border with this particular drug in question? This is also the other thing, too. 
a lot of this mission creep that goes on in law enforcement, in federal law enforcement, is a lot of times because all these agencies, they really have no parameters anymore. They can kind of do everything. It's like the FBI, the ATF, the Marshal Service. I mean, they, they can all go after anything that they want nowadays. You, know, you, you look at, for example, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act renewal, Section 702, which is coming up. There's a provision in there that gives time. It's a reform. It's being pushed by Senator Mike Lee and some others, some other Democrats and Republicans coming together. And a big part of this now is they want to have the government have to explain before it starts surveilling citizens. And they want accountability if they don't. They want to have accountability if the government starts to abuse the Fourth Amendment and starts to surveil its citizens. And they want to be able to put a little tooth into that so that the bureaucrats and the people that abuse this stuff actually get afraid of the consequences of doing so, because that's the other problem. You and I both know that these agencies think that they're going to get away with it. They're going to get away with doing whatever they want. So if they go outside the Fourth Amendment, if they start spying on citizens for whatever noble cause they have, they'll, they're not going to get in trouble. And then they can expand that. So maybe today it's because of riots and then tomorrow it's because there's this special event. And then it's, well, those school board meetings are getting testy. And well, you know, those domestic violent extremists and we got the election coming up and we got Trump's inauguration coming up. It's just it gets very easy to see the government abusing that and spying on citizens. You're about to renew the FISA Act. And unless you do it with real reform the kind of reform that will hold the government accountable if it uses these powers to spy on citizens, they will do whatever the hell they want. Now, I'll give you another another uh, very, very good point on this issue in terms of uh, the broad abuse of liberty and, 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 and the big government that continuously seems to subvert the United States Constitution. We're dealing with right now a former president in court with the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, at the, at the very center of this, involved in accusations that people at the top covered for the president of the United States, Joe Biden. What you have playing out right now in court, in federal court, is you've got a tale of two cities. You've got the Democrat city where nobody gets in trouble and everybody's given a pass whether it's classified documents or whether it's anything else. And then you have the very same people using those powers in the Republican city and prosecuting people. Now ask yourself why that is, why they feel so emboldened that they can go after people politically. Why do they do that? And the answer is because they don't get in trouble. They don't get in trouble for it. So if you're actually going to do reform on something like, like take the foreign surveillance act, which we know was used to abuse the Trump campaign. We know it was used to spy on George Papadopoulos, Carter page and other people we know this, but nobody got in trouble for it. They were just arrogant. You know, David, Peter Strozak, Lisa Page at the time going back and forth. We'll stop Trump. We'll stop Trump doing these things. And then what? They got a slap on the wrist. Maybe they get a reprimand. Maybe they get a nasty letter from the inspector general who turns around and says, you really shouldn't have done those things. You really shouldn't have been involved in politics. And then the other problem with this mission creep that you have is that as long as you're able to have all these different federal agencies doing things that are all outside the scope of what they were established to do, it gets a whole lot more difficult to hold them accountable because they're all over the place. They're doing all kinds of different things. 
So you've got this agency operating in this area, this agency operating in that area. And then who's monitoring all this? You know, who's monitoring all this becomes a big question. We can barely keep monitoring the agencies that we know about in the in the areas of which they're supposed to be designated, the jobs they're supposed to do. Take the lab leak, the covid lab leak, for example. And we now know that there were the CIA was involved early on in burying any link to the lab in Wuhan, China. Why would the CIA be involved in that? Why would the Central Intelligence Agency be involved in, 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 in the Wuhan lab leak theory? You know what I mean? Why? Why would the FBI be so interested in working with Twitter and Facebook to make sure that people are not out there pushing the lab leak theory on social media? What does that have to do with the Federal Bureau of Investigation? But this is the problem. These agencies have mission creep. These agencies wind up doing a whole bunch of different things. And then it gets very difficult to figure out where it ends and the accountability that goes with it. And all of a sudden you turn around and you go, wait, wait a minute. So you're telling me that of all these national security entities, they were all involved early on in making America believe that this virus came from a pangolin bat burger, an undercooked bat burger with a side of pangolin fries and a raccoon dog aioli why what why would they be in that business why would the fbi and the cia be engaged in that stuff and the answer is because they can because somebody made a determination that this was what the government wanted us to believe and then those agencies do the bidding of this that's not what they're supposed to do but when you've got brazen people who turn around over and over and over again and they turn around and they say you know what we're going to do we're going to do this we're going to do that and they're never held accountable what's to stop them I mean, honestly, what's to stop them? They know that they are above reproach. It's like a great example is we we talk about domestic law enforcement, federal domestic law enforcement going after people for political purposes. We talked about Bill Devlin. We talked about this with Bill Devlin. We talked about this with um, that's the guy, right? The guy running for Congress, right? My, my brain is not working today, Mark Matt Houck. DeSantis. Mark what? Houck. Mark Houck. Thank you. Bill Devon, we talked about something else with, but he's friends with Mark Houck. But Mark Houck, I mean, he's, we talked about this with him, the FBI coming to his house and raiding him. The process is the punishment. No accountability. You can sue the government. The government can turn around and say, ah, you know what? We can do whatever we want. This is the problem and this is the issue. And until we can actually have reform to rein this in, they're going to continue to do this. And this mission creep stuff becomes a big problem because of the lack of accountability. You don't know where this agency begins and this agency ends. And it's a major, major problem. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. We got a big 30 minutes of nonstop talk coming up straight ahead for you on this Monday Thanksgiving week edition. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 530 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. Trump lays out his plan to deal with open borders and fight back against Biden's immigration problems. Uh, Ron DeSantis goes after Nikki Haley as Nikki Haley says she's now in second place. And Bill Maher says 
Joe Biden, it's over. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli if you'd like to weigh in. I'll tell you what, Biden's student loan, this is another fraud. This is another thing, another payoff, another bribery scam that's happening. And there's a new report that came out by the General Accounting Office of the federal government. They're the ones that are supposed to look at the books, you know. And this is what they found, that the Biden administration, there's massive fraud. As you know, the COVID relief money, massive fraud, pandemic spending programs, your money wasted to the tune of billions and billions and billions and billions more dollars, right? Well, a brand new government accountability office report found that the Federal Department of Education failed to implement basic checks to prevent fraud in its student loan forgiveness plan. Now, you know, the Supreme Court struck down Biden administration's plan back in, um, well, it was over the summer in June. But then what happened? Biden administration said, well, we don't listen to courts. We do whatever the hell we want. So then they turned around and they decided to start canceling loans on their own. After the Supreme Court struck down the administration's $430 billion debt write-off in June, the General Accounting Office review is relevant since the Education Department is canceling hundreds of billions of dollars in student loans via the back door. This president says, I'll be damned if the Supreme Court's going to tell me what to do. I'll be damned if they think they can rein me in. I want to cancel billions of dollars in student loans, and damn right, I'm going to do it. Under the president's original plan, borrowers who earned less than $125,000 or $250,000 for couples were eligible for $10,000 to $20,000 in loan forgiveness. But the education department let borrowers self-attest that their incomes fell below these thresholds. In other words, you can say whatever the hell you want. There was no verification. No verification whatsoever. When the department ceased work on the program in response to court orders and prior to relieving any loan debt, more than 26 million borrowers had applied for or were deemed automatically eligible for relief. As a a result of that, the education department would have needed to claw back relief from borrowers who were improperly provided relief via a pay and chase model. That's what the government has been trying to do with little avail after doling out hundreds of billions of dollars in pandemic-enhanced unemployment benefits and small business loans to scammers. Now, the Education Department, which should be shut down, one of the first things I would do as president would be to shut it down. They defended its lax protocols by claiming without evidence that debt relief was at low risk. Or fraud, low risk for fraud, you know, no big deal, not going to happen. And at the time, the education department said, look, if you try to do stricter controls, it's going to be very burdensome. You're going to have all these bureaucrats involved in all this paperwork, and you don't want to do that, so don't worry about it. So the education department actually said, in order to cut bureaucracy, let's just let people self-attest to make sure that they meet the income limits. And no verification whatsoever. Not even a copy of a pay stub. Nothing. Because that would be extra work. And all these bureaucrats, you know, they're, they're, just, they're dedicated to efficiency in Washington. You know that, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. You're a bureaucrat at a three-letter agency. All you want to do is streamline the process and make it easy for everybody. You know that. Save money for the taxpayers. Of course not. What you want to do is you know people are going to lie. You know people are going to take advantage of the system, but you don't care because your goal is to provide student loan debt relief to as many people as possible. And you don't care what, what, what parameters are there. You don't want to be stopped. They're parameters in name only. That's it. 
anybody can check whatever they want. The government just wants to give you the money. The Biden administration is hell bent on giving you the money. That's what they're doing. So understand that that's happening. Understand that that's going on and understand that this is another scam. There's implications for Biden's new loan payment plans that are going on right now. They cap borrower payments at 5% of discretionary income, and they discharge loans after 10 to 20 years. But they note that an earlier review of income-based repayment plans found that some borrowers incorrectly reported their incomes, and they don't care. They don't care. You have this massive fraud going on, and much like the COVID pandemic scam fraud that went on with that, They don't care. See, this administration, much like how the border's wide open, what they want to have is everybody get student loan relief. And if the courts won't let them, they'll find a way. And if Congress tries to stop them, they'll find a way. They'll do whatever they want. That's the number one rule of the Biden administration. They'll do whatever they want. Like most of these Democrat administrations, they're not going to be bound by courts. And so if that means that they let people self-attest to their income in order to qualify for student loan debt repayment, that's fine. If people cheat and lie, that's fine. If the GAO inspector general comes out and says people cheated and lied, that's fine. They don't care. If they know somebody lied about their income, do they go after the, the guy and get the money back? Absolutely friggin' not, because the point was getting the guy the money. That's the point. Now, the border is an open disaster, as you know. Donald Trump has a plan on how to deal with this. Uh, He gave a big speech in Iowa over the weekend about this. He also chatted with Megyn Kelly. And he also talks about how all of this that's going on in our country right now, with regards to the dysfunction and how disjointed things are, is all really started under Barack Obama. Something I've been saying for a long time. I mean, I still believe Barack Obama's president. And I think I've made that point to you before, that Barack Obama is still calling the shots today. He's calling the shots. He really is the one who's out there making all the decisions. And everything about this president in particular, surrounded by people who were Biden, Obama's people, and then doing the exact same policies when it comes, for example, to Iran. Here's Trump with Megyn Kelly. Take a listen. What they're doing to our country is so bad. Uh, Our country has never been this disjointed and this disunified and and wow. it started with president obama a couple times it started with president obama and uh it's now at a level that nobody's ever seen before the uh, you know the two sides you have two sides but i believe that our side in the look i represent everybody I, as president i represent everybody so but i believe that uh the people that love this country and that want to make it great again that really want to make it uh, you know sustainable because it's not sustainable right now uh i believe they far outweigh the other side and uh, so when you say would i like to be at uh, turnbury in scotland right now or would i like to be at one of the many places i have the 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 greatest places i may never see those places again but i think this is very important i think that we're going to save our country. I think we're going to win the election. I'm beating Biden by a lot. I'm beating the Republicans by numbers nobody's ever seen before. But I'm beating Biden by a lot. And I'll turn it around, and I'll turn it around fast. Trump uh, in Iowa also talked about what's going on with the invasion of the southern border and also the fact that the war that's going on in the Middle East is a disaster. Remember, I told you this earlier, 
A big part of Biden's problems right now, as Steve Kornacki pointed out, is the way people feel that Biden is handling this war disastrously. That's affecting his polls. So here's Trump in Iowa campaigning and talking about Joe Biden and how crooked he is. Take a listen. Crooked Joe Biden, we have uncontrolled inflation and invasion of our southern border, rampant crime, wars in Europe and a war that just started in the Middle East. And uh, look at look at what's going on with the attack on Israel. Uh, this world is a mess. You know, I was very honored. One of the strongest leaders. Thank you. One of the I think he said good thing. <laughs> One of the strongest leaders, Viktor Orban from Hungary, they asked him two weeks ago, they asked him, what would you tell President Biden? There's so many things going on with wars all over the world. And in his country, you have inflation and you have the border. That's the worst border probably ever anywhere in the world. I don't think there's ever been a border like that in the world. And just uh, you know, we had the best border we ever had, the best. And now we have the worst border we've ever had, but the worst border in the world. And they asked his leader, and he's a very strong man, very strong, powerful man, and one of the most respected leaders in the world. It's tough. No games, right? Hungry. And uh, they asked him, what would you tell President Biden to do? He said, I tell him to get out of office and let Trump run the thing, because when he ran it, we had no wars, we had no problems. He defeated ISIS. He totally defeated ISIS. China was not a problem. They respected him. He used a stronger word than respect, but I don't want to use that. But China respected him. Russia respected him. Kim Jong-un respected him from North Korea. And now our world is a mess like we've never seen before. The world is a mess and our country is a mess. I don't think we've ever seen anything like it. How about they don't want to bring it up, the fake news anymore, but how about when you talk about the most embarrassing period of time in the history of our country, which is Afghanistan. The way we surrendered, it was like a surrender. Uh, we've never had a time like that, giving away $85 billion worth of equipment, leaving hundreds and hundreds of people there. We don't even know how many people are still there. Taking out the soldiers first. You take the soldiers out last. And uh, we had 13 dead and 38 I mean, that, that's amazing, and, too, when you, when you think about it. Uh, that disaster that occurred in Afghanistan. I mean, all this stuff under Joe Biden's watch is a major problem, obviously. It's a disaster. It's a freaking disaster. And the polls have caught up to him. And even people like The Rock are acknowledging that Biden doesn't really have support out there. If you think about David Axelrod's comments for a second, right? So David Axelrod talks about the fact that the Democrats right now are running on a strategy that Trump will lose. Trump will lose. But that's just not going to be the case. And you notice what David Axelrod's not saying. He's not saying the Republican will lose. He's saying Trump. Look, I know I'm, I'm going to get accused of, of, of being anti-DeSantis or anti-Nikki Haley or something like that. I'm just telling you the reality. Trump's going to be the nominee. Democrats like David Axelrod have acknowledged as much. And now they're all nervous that Joe Biden's going to lose to him. So they keep turning around and saying, you can't run a campaign strategy that turns around and says, we rely on Trump to defeat himself, basically, because that's what they did in 2016. And it was a disaster for them. And the polls are catching up to Joe Biden right now because people are turning around and saying, wow, things are really bad. Things are really bad. So here's The Rock. Great example, right? Here's here's The Rock. And this is a guy who's a Democrat, who votes Democrat, has even flirted with running for president at some point as a Democrat. And you know what? If he ever did, he probably would do quite well because he's a very beloved guy. 
in a lot of different respects. But he went on with Joe Rogan. They had podcasts. They talked about a lot of different things. And what's interesting about partisanship and how there's a difference about partisanship and Joe Biden. Cut 12. When I was a kid, you could have a Republican friend. Like, it, it was no yes, big deal. Yes, yes. It's no big deal. Like, oh, Bobby likes George Bush. Of Who course. cares? Who gives right. a f***? You know, you were a supporter of Bill Clinton. He liked George Bush. Nobody cared. Nobody liked f- you. You yeah. know, it wasn't like, you're a Nazi. Like, I'm a, what am I, I'm a Nazi. I just want lower taxes. That's what the f*** <laughs> talking about? How did I become a Nazi? Dude, it's, a, it's the craziest thing. I have friends who support Trump. I have friends who support Biden. I have friends. Do you really have friends who support Biden? I do. <laughs> Come well, on. No, 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 no. Here's, here's what I do. I have, I have friends. Thank you. That's a good check because that's important. <laughs> this is important context. They support the Democratic Party. I have friends who are loyal to the party. Yes. Yeah, that's it. You don't have a lot of Biden people out there. You don't have a lot of Biden people. Even America's grandmother, Janet Yellen, acknowledging that people are unhappy with Bidenomics. Even she has to acknowledge it. You're probably feeling it. If you've already started your Thanksgiving food shopping, which I have done, I've started it. I've seen it. So she goes on CNBC and she acknowledges that people are unhappy with Bidenomics. So you take that into account. You take the border into account. You take the war that's going on in the Middle East. You take Ukraine. And I've got another clip on her about Ukraine in a minute as well. You add this all together and then you ask The Rock, you really have people there that support Joe Biden? No, 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 no. Let me... No, let me qualify that. Let me uh, let me qualify that by saying, no, 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 not Biden. They're they're Demo- They're going to vote Democrat, but they're not loyal to Joe Biden. That's the difference. So the Democrat strategy is exactly what Axelrod is warning against. Don't count on the fact that there's a lot of those people out there enough to hand you the White House by saying that they're going to just vote Democrat because of Trump. That's not how it works. And if you do that, if you think that way, you're going to have a major problem on your hands. And the problem is going to be exactly another repeat of 2016. The support that Trump has, that's not, there's no support like that for Joe Biden, period. So people are either going to vote because they like the policies of the current administration, and there's just not a lot of that, or they're going to try to vote to stop Trump. Axelrod's warning to Democrats is if you're counting on that, then you're going to lose. Bill Maher's point is you're going to lose. Because people think Biden's too old for the job. And since Biden has no core support, there are not Biden people. You, know, you don't see people walking around with Biden hats on. You, you ever notice that? You don't see people out there with anything regarding Biden whatsoever. There's not, there's just, there's no enthusiasm for the guy. I mean, I'll, I'll give Obama the, the credit. It'd be, it'd be people that were, there was a book that was written at the time called Obama Zombies. or people that would wear Obama hats and shirts and everything else. I mean, th- none of that. There's no Biden. Nobody has a Biden shirt. He's walking around with their Joe Biden jacket on. They're, they're making, give, give four more years of Joe Biden hats. You never see that stuff. And you never will, by the way. You, you won't. That's the problem. That's another big problem for them. There's just no loyalty for the guy. And how can there be? What is there to be loyal to, exactly? The economy stinks. The border's wide open. The, 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 the war in the Middle East is a mess. The war in Ukraine is just dragging on forever. Americans are tired of it. They know the whole thing's a money laundering operation. And the economy stinks. And he says creepy things to little girls. So what the hell is there to be loyal to where you're going to go, you know, give me my Biden hats. I'm going to rock my Biden golf shirt today. Uh, Cut number five. Uh, Recent poll by The New York Times and uh, Siena College finding 59 percent of voters under 30 rate the economy as poor. So 
you know, philosophically and sort of intellectually, you can look at a lot of these numbers and say, this man, this is a, a great economy in so many ways on a relative basis to history and the like. But at the same time, you have poll numbers and others saying that they don't feel it. Yeah, I'm aware of that. And I think it's our job to um, explain to Americans what President Biden has done to improve the economy. Doesn't she sound constipated all the time when she talks? <laughs> Don't you think? Like, I, let me get some Metamucil and come back to you in a little bit. That's every time I hear her. Thanks for planting that image in my head. Or you also get the sense from her that she's a serial killer known as Buffalo Bill and is sizing people up for fat suits. She's got somebody trapped in a, a giant hole in her basement. Yeah, yeah. She, that too. You know what I mean? <laughs> also, also that. Um, did I send you this cut of her talking about Ukraine? Did I send you that? Uh, yeah. This is her talking about Ukraine and the fact that Ukraine needs as much money as it needs forever and ever and ever and for all time and something about school teachers. Um, I don't know how that's relevant to the war, but take a listen. In Israel, um, the Biden administration has this $105 billion security age package um, on the table. What's the chance that it, uh, it gets passed before the end of the year? Well, um, it's a critical priority for the president and critical to the national security of our country. Um, I can't prognosticate about the timetable on this. Um, I'm pleased that Congress has passed legislation to keep the government open and running. But it really is essential that uh, this aid be provided both to Israel and to Ukraine. We can't allow uh, Ukraine to... Um, lose a battle uh, on the home front because it lacks enough money to keep uh, school teachers in the classroom and first responders on the job when it's fighting valiantly um, on on the battlefield. So uh, Ukraine is utterly dependent on this aid. We need to join um, others. The the uh, our European friends are. Uh, providing have provided 50 billion oh, euro of um, she a great big fat person. over the next four years that was the just IMF, inappropriate she's uh, the secretary of the treasury 15 billion it rubs the lotion on its part, skin it does uh, this whenever it's told together as a package it rubs the lotion really, on its skin uh, or else it gets the hose again well. i can't listen to anything she says without thinking of that i'm sorry i can't i can't i know i'm seven years old but i can't i can't listen to anything she has to say period I can not, right? She just, it's all BS. And so all I can do is play clips from Buffalo Bill. That was like two minutes of filibustering in my That's all that was right there. I'm interested in economics and I couldn't tell you what she was talking about. I I have no idea. 15 seconds in. Uh, Yeah. And then, and then you, something about Ukraine needs teachers in the classroom. So I'm paying for that too now. Why not pay for textbooks for kids too while we're at it? And then all of a sudden I start hearing about Buffalo Bill and I get angry. I get angry with what she's saying, and then I get angry, and I got to start playing Buffalo Bill. There's still like a minute more of that clip. There's no way we can listen to that. I'm begging you, don't make me play No, I can't do it. Jacques Gary says, yelling, LOL. Uh, They lie right to our face. Laughter is my coping mechanism. Very true. Sharon K says, Rich, rub the lotion. It's... uh, it's, uh... (laughs) All right, just play a little bit more of her, and I'll just go ahead. All right. 
These, this aid it rubs is the lotion on its skin and dust is whenever it's told. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. I think we as taxpayers get the hose again. It writes the check to Ukraine or it gets the hose again. It writes the check to Ukraine or it gets the hose again. Write the room check to Ukraine. Write the room check to Ukraine. Don't you hurt my Ukraine aid. That's what I it's all I keep thinking about. I know, because I'm I'm very immature, but uh so here's America's grandmother slash serial killer, allegedly. Uh, Jen, yeah. <laughs> this is her theme song. Every time she walks into the Department of Treasury, they just play this for her. Oh, the secretary's here today. Nice. Would you r- write a check for me? <laughs> I'd write a check for me. <laughs> Would you write a check to Ukraine for me? <laughs> I'd write a check to Ukraine for me. so immature <laughs> sorry uh, but it's a good song though actually goodbye horses right yeah you can use my phone to call Ukraine and give them another 120 billion dollars we may have to get more Buffalo Bill clips loaded up into the drops we may have to do a whole page yeah just dedicated <laughs> just dedicated to Buffalo we need, Bill we need the best phrases so yeah uh, you gotta you gotta get the you know would you blank me? I'd blank me. Because we is that really, as taxpayers, we are getting blanked by this? And that could just be used interchangeably for everything. Okay. Right? We can start there. And you got to get when he says, put the blanking lotion in the basket. Well, that's on there. Oh, that's on there? Yeah. Where? No, the, you have the hose one, but where's when he starts yelling? Oh, that must be like right after. I mean, that's yeah. in the same breath, I think. Yeah. Put the lotion in the basket. <laughs> Put the Ukraine funding in the ba- in the checkbook. Put the Ukraine funding in the checkbook. All right, just calm down, Janet. Calm down. Uh, she also talked about China and uh, the nice little chat she had with Xi Jinping. This is actually important because this concerns me about changing foreign policy uh, regarding the Biden administration and China and Taiwan. And this does make me a little bit nervous here. Take a listen. In coming, going forward. Did, did you feel any more confident coming out of this around the future of Taiwan and Taiwan's independence? And the reason I ask this question is from the readout that came out from that meeting, there was a suggestion that uh, President Xi still does have every ambition uh, to uh, one way or the other take over that country. But at the same time uh, that he doesn't necessarily want to do that militarily, um, he said publicly with the, some of the CEOs, he does not want to have some kind of military confrontation. But how do you square those two ideas and how do you think Western and U.S. businesses are supposed to think about that? Well, President Biden made clear that our China policy, our Taiwan policy has not changed at all and um, that we want to see uh, peaceful relations uh, continue and um, certainly to avoid military action. This is clearly a very important um, issue from China's point of view. And President Xi did express uh, the view that it's important for uh, Taiwan and uh, mainland China to unify. He certainly expressed the desire to have that occur 
by peaceful means. Um, but President Biden said our policy remains unchanged from what it's always been with respect to Taiwan. Yeah, I'm sure that's very, very intimidating to Xi. Our policy is a policy, pal. Take it or leave it. I'm sure that China is really quaking in their boots at Joe Biden's warning to them. I think China is warning us, quite frankly. China's warning us. It's very obvious. You'd have to be an idiot not to think that. You know, Lee Provorsky, my buddy, our favorite uh, jeweler friend, he sent me a text. He thinks that Janet Yellen sounds like Yoda from Star Wars. I disagree. I disagree. But it does make me think of this clip at Donald Trump's Saturday rally in Ford Dodge, Iowa. Republican State Representative Mike Sexton gave an off-the-wall Yoda impersonation. Now, why would who asked him to do this is my question. I don't know. He was just one of the uh, speakers at this event uh, before Trump made it. This is just a state representative? And he, yeah. And he just, just like a local guy like in the state legislature? He was given a legitimate speech. Never let those yahoos speak. Come on. What's wrong with you? It was just a regular speech for a while, and then this happened out of nowhere. In my time, I have left one of my great heroes, the great Jedi Master himself, Master Yoda. (laughs) The dark side is very powerful in Biden. Crooked is he. Your country, he does not care. The force is strong in Trump. When he must, help him you can. Caucus for him you shall. For without his victory, all hope is lost. Ladies and gentlemen, God bless you. Was that necessary? Did anyone need him to do a Yoda impression? Uh, I'm glad he did it. It brought me joy, but boy, was it it cringy. Oh, you can tell the audience was cringe, too. They're looking around at each other like, is, this, is that is that even a good Yoda? There was a little laughter, but I feel like it was like at him. Well, they were laughing at him. Yeah, yeah 100%. Is he supposed to be known for doing a Yoda, or did he just break that out? Well, see, that's what I'm wondering. I mean, did the Trump campaign ask him to come up and do a Yoda impression? <laughs> I don't think so. No, there's no way. He definitely like ran that by like his like his like uh, his people. He's like, I'm going to do the Yoda, and they're like, don't, yeah. don't, 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 do the don't, Yoda. don't, don't do the Yoda. I got this whole new Yoda thing I did for Trump. I wrote this for Trump. I'm going to equate Biden to being the 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 dark side. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, there's no way Donald Trump yeah. Green let that. He's the master of marketing. You think yeah. he was telling this guy to go do a Yoda impersonation? No chance. No chance. I mean, he's as bad as the guy who was doing the Biden impression on Saturday Night Live. At least that guy. At least the guy in Saturday Night Live is a professional comedian. This Yahoo, you know what I mean? Yeah. He tried his best, <laughs> I guess. It was a good impersonation. It just didn't fit. No, it wasn't. It was pretty solid. It was okay. It was okay. It didn't sound like Yoda, it was I don't pa- think. It was passable. I have a real problem with people who can't do impressions. As someone who can't do impressions and all my impressions sound exactly the same, <laughs> I have a real problem with that. You know what I mean? When it's abused. I, I got some good impressions. I just can't do them... I, 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 it has to be organic. It has to just come to me. Yeah, it's got to come. It's like people yeah. say, "Can you plan? Like, can you can you plan megaphone Bernie?" I can't. It's organic. It just has to happen. Yeah, you you, I mean? you like hear something. You that's your yeah. jumping off point, and you go there. Yeah, if I if I planned it, it would just sound prescripted and it's not like that. Yahoo yeah. is what it is. What, exactly. What my point is Henry's best impersonation is is uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. and he's never shared it on air because I, I can't. He I, really I, can't. I need yeah. I need. He doesn't want to get canceled. Point. Yeah, not that. What? No, it's not I, offensive. It's or not anything. offensive. He just he gets like stage fright or something whenever I. Well, it's I like, it's like what I'm saying it. now. Yeah, it's 
it's, I need like a jumping off. If if we ever play a clip of his and I think you know he says something that I can use, I'll do it. I'll just jump right in. It's pretty good. That's good. All right, we'll 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 try to give something that we can get you to jump in on. Yeah, you know, your Buffalo that. Bills very good, Henry. <laughs> yeah, because I, I I don't know. I've heard that That's played very so many good. times on the show. I feel like I got it down. Oh wait. Go ahead. Now you We're do yours. Great big fat person. Oh wait. Yeah. Very good. great big fat person. Yeah, I, it's excellent. That's an excellent impression. Thank That's you. very good. And it's not easy when you have the the person playing the clip and then you do the impression of it. You're back to back, side by side like that. So it's even better when you don't hear Buffalo Bill, excuse me, Janet Yellen do it. <laughs> uh, speaking of celebrities, Cardi B slamming the mayor of New York City over budget cuts and saying what we all know is that crime is going to go through the roof. I'll share that with you. Uh, and another question that I have in all of this that we're talking about is, is it really okay for the First Lady of New Jersey, Tammy Murphy, to be using her voice in a publicly funded taxpayer ad as she's running for the United States Senate in New Jersey? Does anyone think that's okay? And some peace on the ice. After a big fight broke out between the Flyers and the Blue Jackets, somehow ended amicably. Is there hope we can all come together? 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Now listen, NJ Diet is going to help you lose the holiday weight. All right? I know Thursday, start picking out. It's okay. Don't worry. I'm not judging. I just know that it works. I know it works because I know people have done it. I also know that they contractually guarantee the weight loss. So you have nothing to lose. You are contractually guaranteed to lose 20 to 40 plus pounds. So I guess you have that to lose. You got, you got fat to lose and you will lose it. Because NJ Diet's all-natural program starts with you, your biochemistry. They help you the natural way. They start with your hair and saliva samples along with their bioenergetic scans to personalize natural solutions and supplements where the side effect is weight loss. And then NJ Diet uses DNA testing to determine your ideal diet and workout regimen to help you keep it off. And best of all, NJ Diet is all-natural. There's no injections. No hormones, no surgery. Full supervision is provided every step of the way, and you even get the doctor's personal email and phone number. Locations available in King of Prussia, Cherry Hill, Princeton, and Newark, Delaware, or available from home with live online video consultations. So what are you waiting for? Call them now, 855-5NJ-DIET, 855-5NJ-DIET, or go to njdiet.com. You will lose the weight guaranteed, and you'll keep the weight off too. And you can do it. Start today, njdiet.com. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. So the richest people in the world are often the very same ones that go to all these climate change conferences. You know, they're, they're always in Davos, and they go to the WEF, the World Economic Forum. They go to the upcoming uh, big climate summit they're going to have in Dubai, for example. They all get there on private jets and yachts, and they drive around in big SUVs while they're there. They have security details, of course, as you'd expect. And while they're there, they don't just have vegan food. They eat food food. They eat steaks and lobsters and all kinds of things. They go to these big swanky parties where you have lots of plates and dishes that have to be washed, and you have lots of um, people working these events and lots of traffic and lots of congestion. They are the richest. They are the most powerful. They are the elites, the global elites. And they control the world. And we mock these people all the time because they're hypocrites. They're giant hypocrites. John Kerry flying on his jet, Leo DiCaprio showing up in his private yacht, 
we mock them because they then turn around and lecture us and try to strip away our freedoms. And they are the biggest culprits of pollution, period. This story is a report about what's known as the Oxfam report, and it examines the uber wealthy's lavish lifestyles and investments in heavily polluting industries. What they found is that the world's richest 1% generated as much carbon emissions as the poorest two-thirds of people in all of 2019. And it gives a grave portrait as climate experts and activists, they say, scramble to curtail global warming that is devastating vulnerable and often poor communities in Southeast Asia, East Africa, and elsewhere. This month marked a long-dreaded milestone for the planet when scientists recorded an average global temperature that was more than two degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels on Friday. So, on one day. Now, here's what happens. So you see, the 1% don't want to give up their their fancy cars and yachts and planes. They want to tell you to give up things like gas stoves, and they want to tell you to give up things like your your car that runs on gasoline. And they also want to tell the poorest communities in the world, you can't have the same standard of life that I have. So we're not going to let you invest in energy, for example. I mean, one of the biggest hypocrites in the world is Bill Gates. Bill Gates is one of the richest 1% in the history of the world, in the history of the planet. He's in that elite club. And Bill Gates is the kind of guy who's involved with all these things with the Gates Foundation, for example, you know, buying up land so they can't be developed and then going down to poor countries and then telling them what to do. They love this. The the left loves to do this. They love to do this. They love to go to places in Africa and Asia where you have poor people and turn around and tell them you can't you can't have fossil fuels. So even though, you know, you want to keep your food cold and fresh and you want to have medicines and you want to have nuclear medicine and the, the kind of life-changing technology that we have in the West, we're not going to let you because of climate change. So suck it up, buttercup, and get those clothes on that drying rack. It's not going to dry itself in a machine anyway. So better wash it by hand. And that old, you know, that old board in the river where all the cows poop because you're not going to get clean, fresh running water either. And they tell these people these things. And it's, it's horrific, in my opinion. But that's the thing about the left. They tell you how to live your life all the time. And they are the biggest freaking hypocrites. And they're all gathered very, very soon in Dubai at this big climate change conference that's coming up. We talked to Daniel Turner about this. And the super rich are plundering and polluting the planet to the point of destruction. (laughs) Now, a lot of these people are also obviously in Arab countries. They are the leaders in countries like Iran. And Russia, uh, which is, of course, not an Arab country, but, you know, Dubai itself. I mean, it's kind of a joke, right? Dubai is one of the richest countries in the world, and it got that way on oil, and it's hosting the climate conference because this is all a tongue-in-cheek BS game. You know that, right? This is not about climate change. If you really still at this point think it's about climate change and not about the destruction of capitalism, then you're just missing the, the big picture here. These are people that have all this money and the guilt that comes with it, apparently. And what they want to do is transfer our society over into socialism, Marxism. They're Marxists is what they are. That's why every year at the World Economic Forum, the richest people on the planet get together and talk about how they can strip you of your ability to make money and buy things and have it all provided for you because they don't have to worry about that. So they don't, it's it's exactly the same issue. They don't have to worry about it. So screw you. And then they turn around and they wind up being the biggest polluters. Now, I don't really care how much fossil fuel 
these people burn. I don't. It doesn't keep me up at night. I'm not worried about it. They, as far as I'm concerned, fly your private jets and fly and and and, and drive your yachts and do all that stuff. Knock yourself out. I don't have an issue with it. But the thing is that they do. And they're always yelling and screaming about climate change and trying to impose new rules. And they get to these summits, not by flying commercial and not by taking hang gliders. And they don't get there by rowing these yachts. They don't have, they don't, they're not sitting there. You know, Leonardo DiCaprio is not coming on a canoe when he shows up in, in Dubai. And what they, what they, just to prove the point and how they want to go after uh, and destroy capitalism, the new report that they put out calls for a wave of taxes on corporations and billionaires. They want a 60% tax on the incomes of the richest 1%. And they say that that would cut emissions by more than the total emissions of the United Kingdom. How? How does that cut emissions? How does a tax cut emissions? It doesn't, of course. It's BS. It doesn't, it makes no sense. A tax doesn't cut emissions. But these people can pay the taxes. It's not, that's not the point, right? It's about raising the money. So they have $6.4 trillion a year to pay for the transition away from fossil fuels to renewable energy. And if you notice, they don't talk about just the billionaires. They talk about the corporations because they want to go after the corporations. And they hate corporations because, again, it's capitalism, it's greed, it's all this stuff. The very same people who are at the top of the food chain set the rules for everybody else in the world. And if you're not paying attention, if you've not been paying attention to that, then you're really missing out on the fact that this world is run by a small but very powerful group of people who control 99% of the world's wealth in their hands. I mean, it's, it's truly, utterly amazing. And they, uh, over the summer, Senator Edward Mackey of Massachusetts proposed a tax on private jet travel, calling on the wealthy to pay their fair share for environmental costs. Last year, Canada imposed a 10% tax on the purchase of luxury aircraft, boats, and cars. In recent years, celebrities such as Kylie Jenner, Kim Kardashian, Drake, and Taylor Swift have all faced public backlash for using private jets with Jenner's plane once logging a 14-minute flight. Now, these people can all afford to pay these taxes. This is all window dressing over the problem because it's not a problem. You know, I mean, burning, burning fuel on a jet is not causing the destruction of the earth. But we're told it is by the very same people that want to control your ability to have a gas stove or drive a gas car. We're told it is as they literally break their own edicts all the time. So then they'll turn around, they'll say taxes. We'll just we'll tax these things. But how does that equate to cutting down on emissions? How? You think you think Taylor Swift is worried about a tax on her jet use? If Taylor Swift somehow does make it to the game tonight on a jet, because she doesn't have to worry about what the flights are out of, uh, where's she, Brazil? Rio? I guess Rio is Rio in Brazil? Yes. Rio de Janeiro. She doesn't have to worry about the Rio airport having a seat for her. If, if for some reason the concert doesn't pan out and she wants to get to Kansas City tonight for the game, she's jumping on her private jet. If they say to her, Taylor, we're just, we've just imposed a climate change tax on you, you think she's thinking twice? She, no, she doesn't care. But that's the thing. I have no problem with her taking a private jet. None whatsoever. The problem is that her friends do. They, they have a problem with me having a gas stove. Her friends have a problem with me having a freaking plastic bottle of water. You know what I mean? They have a problem with me having a straw that does not dissolve into my drink. If I have a straw that actually is able to withstand 
the fact that it's in a liquid beverage because the straw is not made of paper. They have a problem with that. They are the biggest hypocrites in the world. But Rich, you're choking the turtles. The turtles are fine, damn it. The turtles they drink out of straws too. How do you think they drink? <laughs> the public understands inequality and the public understands the inequity of the impact of climate change. Specific taxes on the high-emitting behaviors are getting favor across the public. So I could see in a number of countries the pressure increasing to do something. And let me tell you how this will be packaged. Because if you think you're stopping at the elite 1% of the world, you're nuts. This is how it'll be packaged. We're going to roll out a series of taxes on things like private jets, and we're going to roll out a series of taxes on things like yachts and all these other things. Oh, and also on the gas car that you're driving. And also on the gas stove and also on on anything that we find to be problematic for the environment. And we're all in this together. So even though that tax on you and me is actually something that does make us change our consumer behavior, it doesn't affect them in the least. But they get to turn around and say, you see, we're all doing our part. And it's such a scam. It's such a joke. It's a way to control us. It's why they'll give out big incentives for you to go buy an electric car that you don't want. And at the very same time, they'll talk about a ban on a gas-powered car that you do want. And if they can't get a ban through, then they'll do massive taxes on it. You know what I call this article? A fugazi. That's what it is. It's a fugazi. You think that the 1% of the world, the, the world's richest 1% are concerned about a tax on their private jet use? No. What they want, though, is they want a tax on you, on everything you do that they find to be problematic to climate change, because the more that they can go after you and go after companies the more likely it is that they can continue the destruction of capitalism. That's ultimately what they want. And it doesn't bother them. If they have to have a jet custom made for them because the, uh, the people that build private jets are out of business, if they have to hire their own private fleet of mechanics because nobody can get a job as a mechanic for private jets anymore, that's okay. They don't mind. They can do it. They can handle it. Whatever the consequences are, they can handle it. You tell some poor sap in Africa, sorry, you can't have fossil fuels you know, tough noogies. You think these people going to Dubai for the climate change conference, they have to worry about fresh food, life-saving medical care, the ability to have people on life support. You think that that's a problem for them? No, they travel with their own hospitals half the time. So it's the ultimate hypocrisy from the ultimate hypocrites in, of the world who, who are the biggest polluters. But it's exactly the same thing in foreign policy, too. If you look at the way the United States of America dances around and kowtows to China, it's not because we're afraid of China militarily. We know that China's not going to really do anything. But, and this is a point that Dr. Victoria Coates has made on the show many, many times, this administration cares more about China signing on to their climate accords than they do about China helping Iran. They care more about China signing on to their climate accords than they do about China helping Vladimir Putin. China buys oil from Iran. China buys oil and natural gas from Russia. China supplies these countries with money, money that's used against the United States foreign policy. We don't care because to the United States of America, this administration anyway, the priority is getting China to be good little boys and girls when it comes to climate change. And nothing else matters. Human rights doesn't matter. War and peace doesn't matter. Taiwan's independence doesn't matter. Nothing matters but that. That's the number one priority. Now, it makes no sense. China's the world's biggest polluter and China's not going to stop their behavior no matter what. And no matter what China does, it's not going to change from being the world's biggest polluter. But this is also why this administration turns around and backs Venezuela 
which has dirtier oil than we do, and turns around and says, we're going to lift the sanctions on you. And then even though you're about to go be corrupt with that money, and even though you're going to have horrible human rights and you're going to violate every tenant of the agreement, we're still going to lift the sanctions on you, pump away. And at the same time we do that, we're going to tell American companies, you can't drill. And we're going to do everything we can to stop the leases for offshore drilling to happen. So much so that the Biden administration is now in court, again, fighting a judge's order who's turning around and saying, you need to allow these drilling lease purchases and rentals to go forward. It is the same hypocrisy. You know, we hear over and over again, like, and you heard Janet Yellen, not really because we played Buffalo Bill over it, but you heard Janet Yellen talking about how we have to keep giving money to Ukraine because God forbid their teachers don't have their their paychecks. So I got to pay for Ukraine schools now too. This money laundering scam in which both Ukraine and Russia are making money. Like my buddy brought up a great point over the weekend. My buddy, Frank Troy, who's in the Navy says, you know, you never see the, you never see the videos of all the people who are dying in the slaughters of Ukraine. You, you never see that. Even though everybody's got a camera, everybody's got a cell phone. You just have to take their word for it. But Europe, which is who we're supposed to be defending in this fight. Europe is buying Vladimir Putin's oil and natural gas at record levels. Spain, France, Belgium, they're all buying his natural gas. Why are we not building a gigantic liquid natural gas export station right here in Philadelphia, for example? Great question. Why don't we do those things? The reason why we don't do those things is because we don't want this here in the United States of America. And so we're emboldening bad people and emboldening bad countries. Our foreign policy is absolutely as hypocritical as the elite 1% of the world when it comes to their use of polluting devices like jets and yachts and big black suburbans and everything else that they'll have at their climate conferences. It is such a scam and a joke, and we're all the suckers paying for it as they try to remake the world in their World Economic Forum vision, their WEF vision of the world. That's what's happening right now, and it's incredibly frustrating. But Nothing will change because you have a president of the United States of America right now who has decided because his party wants it that climate change is by far the greatest, greatest threat to America, to the world, far bigger than any other threat out there. Nothing else compares. Nothing else compares and nothing else matters. It's science, we're told. Science. Even though we were told during COVID, for example, that uh, schools had to be closed. This is science. We were told that, right? Do you know that the New York Times editorial board is acknowledging the harms of COVID school closures? And they're saying that all of this was predicted in real time. The editorial board of the New York Times says COVID school closures set student progress in math and reading back by two decades. But remember what the science told us. The, the, the people at the top who run the world told us that we could not have kids in schools. We had to shut down schools. The op-ed titled, The Startling Evidence on Learning Loss is In, arguing that taking millions of children out of school during the start of the pandemic may prove to be the most damaging disruption in the history of American education. It also set student progress in math and reading back by two decades and widened the achievement gap that separates poor and wealthy children. It also noted that learning loss is being compounded by student absenteeism as children return to the classroom. 
In the early grades, these missing children are at a greater risk of never mastering the comprehension skills that make education possible. The more absences these students accumulate, the more they miss out on the process of socialization through which young people learn to live and work with others. The more they lag academically, the more likely they are to drop out. All of this was predicted, of course. We knew this. I said this. You said this. We talked about this. But we were told at the time it was science. And if you disagree with science, and this is why I laugh at the people that have the signs on their yard, because the people that say, you know, no humans illegal and we believe in science and hate has no home here, all those people, they're all out there screaming about climate change every day. They're out there screaming about climate change every single day. And they also have the Ukraine flags flying, even though that our climate change policy is putting money right directly into Vladimir Putin's pockets. But since he's getting rich off this war and Zelensky's getting rich off this war and we just write checks and we don't care because our president is corrupted by both countries. Who cares? Who cares? You're not you. You and I care because we're the ones paying the bill. And now we got to hear about paying for Ukraine's teachers after we sent our kids home during the pandemic for, what, two years in some cases, in some places? 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Coming up, the First Lady of New Jersey is running for the United States Senate. Why is her voice in a radio ad paid for by your taxpayer dollars? Now, I have used Emmons Roofing and Siding in my home for six years now. We bought the house that we just moved out of, and we, when we did, we first bought it, we had them do the roof, then the doors and the windows, siding, they did a great job. And then as Emmons expanded and got into the kitchen and bathroom remodeling phase, we used them to remodel our bathroom and our kitchen. They did an amazing job. My wife was thrilled. Your wife will be thrilled. You'll be thrilled because they're professional. They are absolutely the best at what they do. Emmons roofing, Emmons remodeling. They even have an Emmons design showroom in Cherry Hill you can check out in person. And they serve our entire region. Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, and of course, the Jersey Shore. And you know how winter can be on shore homes. So if you have any reason to get your roof inspected, Emmons will give you a free inspection. They'll never tell you you need a new roof if you don't. But if you do, they will do the best job for you. Their customer service is outstanding and their prices are incredibly competitive. And I can vouch for the work that they've done. In the new house, they've already repaired some roof, uh, some roofing repairs that we needed. They took care of that for us. They installed, replaced and installed four new beautiful skylights, and they're going to do more work for me as well. I trust Emmons, and you should too. Just go to EmmonsRoofing.com, EmmonsRoofing.com, and trust Emmons. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WPHT-HD-WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. The First Lady of New Jersey, King Philip the Unaccountable's wife, is running for U.S. Senate, and yet her voice is in a state-funded, taxpayer-funded radio ad. We'll talk about that this hour. Bad news for Joe Biden on his birthday. Very, very bad polling news. And Ron DeSantis fighting back against Nikki Haley as she now surpasses him 
in some of the swing states that will decide the presidential primary. Welcome back to the show. Glad you are here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli, our fourth and final hour on a big pre-Thanksgiving week. And uh, great to have you here. Hopefully the week will fly by and we'll be having turkey and enjoying our time with our friends and our family very, very soon. I think people are already hitting the road because it was crazy driving into work today. And I think the airport's already packed. So keep that in mind. Uh, So let's begin with this. I told you that Trump's going to be the nominee. And it's not because I have some sinister plot here to make him the nominee. It's just because I, I, I understand politics. I see the lead he has. And I see the fact that the others are not getting out of the race, so there's not even an opportunity to have a one-on-one contest to stop him. And that's just the political reality. It's the same reality that David Axelrod is acknowledging and James Carville's acknowledging and Bill Maher's acknowledging. So it's not it's not just me saying it. It's Democrats are acknowledging it too. They they Trump's gonna be the nominee. But when Ron DeSantis got in the race, and I mean this with no disrespect, everybody thought he was gonna be, if anyone was gonna stop Trump, it was gonna be him. He has obviously not been able to do that. And if he was going to do that, he would have done it already. That's also a political reality. I like Ron DeSantis. I think he's a very talented guy. I think he's an outstanding governor, but he's not going to stop Trump. And if you're a DeSantis supporter and that makes you angry, don't get angry at me. It's not, I, I'm not running. I mean, he's the one that has to stop Trump if you're backing him and he's not doing that. And now he's got another problem, which is that Nikki Haley is now surpassing him as the establishment realizes that he can't stop Trump. And now they're throwing money at her. And, you know, I don't like Nikki Haley. I I am not a fan. And I think that Nikki Haley says a lot of things that just really infuriate me, like how she wants this social media registry and wants to ban TikTok and all these other things that are just not priorities for uh, for what Republicans and conservatives should be saying. But he's got a problem. The problem is that now she's got money coming in. The establishment has said, all right, Ron, you had your chance, can't do it. Now he's got to try to stop her. So they released a three-minute video demonstrating that Nikki Haley has supported every liberal liberal cause under the sun as they now try to stop her as she gains momentum on him in places like Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. Now, I don't think anybody ever thought we were going to be in this place. I think people early on thought, I did, that it was going to be a two-person contest. It was going to be DeSantis versus Trump. and I maybe thought it was going to be a lot closer than it is. But I certainly never thought that Ron DeSantis would find himself in the position of now having to go against Nikki Haley. I figured he would just be, and I'm sure he assumed he would just be going against Trump the entire time. So that also says something about his campaign and his inability to stop Trump. He, he now has to worry about stopping Nikki Haley. Cut three. This, uh, you know, I often say that the reason I got into politics was because of Hillary Clinton. I went with my friend Eleanor Kitzman to a firm and leadership program where Hillary Clinton was speaking. And I walked out of there and I said, I'm running for office. For too long, Republican and Democrat presidents dealt with immigration based on a quota. We'll take X number this year. We'll take X number next year. The debate is on the number. It's the wrong way to look at it. We need to go to our industries and say, what do you need that you don't have? We need as many immigrants as we can. Start to listen to your businesses and do what they need. Years earlier, as South Carolina governor, Haley celebrated a deal that brought a business with ties to the Communist Chinese Party to her home state. We want to thank Chairman Zong and everyone at the Jushi Group for allowing South Carolina to be the first location of your first U.S. manufacturing hub. 
We value partnership more than anything else, and we look forward to partnering with all of you. 2015, Haley ranked number one among Republican governors in Chinese investment. Haley's administration oversaw $1.43 billion in Chinese investment in South Carolina. When I was governor, they wanted to bring in a, a bathroom bill, a transgender bathroom bill, and I strong-armed and said, we are not going to have that in South Carolina. What care should be on the table when a 12-year-old child in this country, assigned female at birth, says, actually, I feel more comfortable living as a boy? What should the law allow the response to be? Well, I think the law should stay out of it. Again, it's longer than that. You can watch the whole thing in, in your own time if you want to, but this is this is the state right now of the Republican primary. It's it's no longer just about stopping Trump. Now they're trying to figure out how they can stop each other so they can try to be the one on one person to go against him. He's still going to be the nominee, even if everybody gets out and it's Nikki Haley versus Trump. He still wins. Even if everybody gets out and it's Ron DeSantis versus Trump, he still wins because it's just too far gone at this point. The, the numbers are the numbers and it's just too far gone. And I'm only telling you that because my job on this show, and I've always had this policy for as long as you've known me, is to call balls and strikes. Now, I will not be one of those voters who who decide that because by the time the New Jersey primary runs around in uh, June, this thing's going to be well, it's going to be over by then, obviously. Pennsylvania, you may have a chance with the primary being in, I think, what, what are we talking about, March now, possibly? Uh, So you may have a chance with that. But I don't know, because at some point, It's obvious that as the establishment now rallies around Haley, thinking that she's the only chance they have to to stop Trump, that that hurts DeSantis's campaign. And then the minute that he starts going on the attack against Haley, it proves that, that he doesn't have the ability to stop Trump. And so this is this is the state right now. But the reason why Democrats are so nervous about Joe Biden is not because of Joe Biden. It's because of Donald Trump. Even if one of these other Republicans beat Joe Biden, they could live with it. They can't live with Trump in the White House. They're they're too terrified of what he'll do on day one. They're really worried about what he'll do on day one as sort of his acts of revenge against a lot of them. I'll give you an example. Here is uh, Congressman Daniel Goldman. He's a Democrat congressman. This is from our buddy Tom Elliott on Grabian. As he warns everybody about Trump's rhetoric. Take a listen. How was that? Uh, hang on. Hang on one second. Yeah, sorry. Daniel sorry. Goldman, Trump's rhetoric, that one. It's loading up. Loading up. Loaded up. Actually, hang on. I might not have it. I take that back. I need, might need more than a moment. All right, don't worry about it. How about this? How about you play this for me instead? How about Corrine Jean-Pierre discussing how Joe Biden is marking his family, his birthday, his 81st birthday? Can you do that for me? Cut number three. Hang can you do on, anything? I've got issues here with my computer. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if I can go to much anything at the moment. Oh. Um, hang on, hang on. Come on. All right, this one looks like it's loading. All right, got it. It's working. This one's there. Which one is this now? This is the birthday cut. This is the birthday cut. Okay, let's hear the birthday cut. Uh, how is the president planning to mark his birthday? I ask, as he mentioned it during the turkey party. It looks like he's got some family here. Are we going to have like a party or a dinner? Okay. 
So he's gonna he's gonna do uh, what they normally do, how they celebrate the president's birth, birthday. There's a tradition, a tradition, pardon me, uh, which uh, they're gonna keep to, the, to that tradition, which is uh, they'll be able to uh, celebrate the president's uh, birthday as a family together in Nantucket uh, later this week, and uh, certainly we'll do that with uh, coconut cake, which is something that they traditionally do. Coconut cake. That's good, because the guy's friggin' nuts. Uh, Cardi B slamming Eric Adams over New York City's budget cuts. I mentioned this earlier to you. So Adams is now going to cut back on police. In order to do so, I mean, he's doing so because he says he has to deal with this migrant crisis as the illegal immigration crisis takes hold of New York City because of the president's failed administration policies and because New York City was a sanctuary city. Uh, New York City now, their decision is to is to cut cops. Cut cops and cut law enforcement budgets as they figure out how to deal with this situation. Here is rap artist Carly Carly B, or hip-hop artist Carly B, I should say, cut number 11. In New York, there is a $120 budget cut. There's a $120 budget cut in New York that is going to affect schools, public libraries, and um, the police department. Y'all know I don't give a the cops but like it is what it is there's gonna be an 120 million dollar budget cut with schools with libraries and the cops and the police department and a five million dollar budget cut in sanitation of a budget cut in sanitation we're gonna be drowning with rats we're going to be drowning in rats so we are going to be having a budget cut on mind you and this is why i said i'm not that's why I'm telling y'all, I'm not this year. Don't ask me. I don't give a the resume that they send. I don't give a I'm not endorsing no presidents no more. Because how is that a $100 million budget cut in New York City for for um schools, library, uh police safety, and sanitation? Yeah, Joe Biden is talking about, like, yeah, we could fund two wars. We could fund two wars talking about we don't got it but we got it like we're the greatest nation no the f- we're not we're going through some f- right now like say it now i'm only playing that because obviously she reaches a lot of people uh she's an influencer and she touches a lot of young people it kind of ties in with, with what steve kornacki said and i'll replay it again for you a little bit later but that young people they don't like joe biden the enthusiasm is not there they were with the rock said earlier and the rock said uh, yeah, I've got friends who support Biden. And then Joe Rogan pulled back, pushed back and said, well, you, you do. And he said, well, no, 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 not, not, not really. But th- th- this is not just a conservative talk show host telling you that Joe Biden has got political problems that are you just he can't overcome. They're insurmountable. And then you add that to the fact that the guy's 81 years old and he's not a good 81 years old. He's an old 81 years old and he's going to lose. You add these things together. And it's a problem that they they just can't overcome. Everything that you can talk about with Joe Biden is all related to what you just heard in that ranting profanity lace Cardi B rant. How many people feel that way, exactly that way? And she's a Democrat. She's somebody who wants to vote for a Democrat. And what she should do is just vote for Trump because Trump supports all those policies that she wants, like ending the, the, the wars and securing the border and all the other things that she's talking about and being tough on crime. But she may. She's just not going to ever tell anybody publicly that. Uh, here's another Kareem Jean-Pierre cut. The White House fembot was asked a question. Once and for all, are only certain polls valid in your eyes? The ones that support your agenda? 
because these NBC News poll, which I'll get into again a little bit later in the show today, uh, that Steve Kornacki spent a half hour on, not a half hour, but 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 about 10 minutes on, meet the press on Sunday. It's uh, not good for Joe Biden. It's not good. Cut one. Whenever you're asked about the president's dismal job approval ratings, uh, you say we're not going to look at polls. We, we look at his accomplishments. And yet when you are asked about various domestic policy initiatives, you will say these poll very well. People support what the president wants to do. If you look at the individual subjects on the polling, they support what the president's agenda is. So once and for all, are only certain polls valid in your eyes, the ones that support your agenda? Or is the polling data that shows that President Biden has been stuck for two years at the the low 40s in his approval ratings, are those valid? So here's the thing. Um, I think it's important to share that American people do approve of some of the president's initiative. I think it is important. Whenever you're asked. But the problem is that the American people don't like those initiatives. In fact, now there's a story that the Biden team is now looking to try to, they're being told you got to revamp your economic message because the economy stinks. So KJP, the White House Fembot, was asked a question about what David Axelrod has been saying. And Axelrod, again, as I told you earlier, doubled down on his point that Joe Biden uh, has a 50-50 shot at best, at best. And Biden apparently called him the P word for male junk. And this is what she said when she was asked a question about David Axelrod's criticism. Cut to. The president's excited to be celebrating his birthday. But I'm curious, David Axelrod told The New York Times, quote, Biden thinks he can cheat nature here and it's really risky. Hey, what's the president's response to David Axelrod? Does he respect his opinion? Does he think he's right? But also... I mean, is there a real alarm happening behind the scenes that the president is simply too old to stake around for another four years? No, there's no alarm happening behind the scenes. I I can only speak behind the scenes here. There's no alarm happening behind the scenes, and I'm certainly not going to uh, comment on uh, everybody who has something to say. Uh, uh, I didn't didn't say that. Nowhere in my response to you that I said that. I said I'm just not going to comment on everyone that has a a comment to say. They're going to speak for themselves. I'm going to speak for the president. And here what I'll say is, look, and also, it's just not my job. It's not my job to think, to to think through, or to um, uh, to tell people what to think, right? Whether it's an, uh, the American American people out what? there, or uh, or a a you know political analyst, or or as your question is about David Axelrod, it's just not my 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 place to speak to that. Your job is to spin for the president. That's your job. Literally, your job. You're the press secretary. Your job is to stand there at the White House podium every day and spin. And tell people what to think. That's literally in the job description. You're supposed to go out there and push the administration's message and tell people what to think, because that's what a press secretary does. You're the you're the number one communications person for the White House. You're the one who's on TV every day telling reporters and those who watch what to think and what to say. That's literally your job. You just don't have an answer to the David Axelrod problem because David Axelrod's right. And you know, and maybe she doesn't know, but you know, and I know, that all this came from Barack Obama's little reunion party. I mean, it was Obama's reunion party, their 15th anniversary of the big win, when they had it in Illinois. It was that Sunday that Axelrod came out and made the comments about Biden in the first place. Now, you're telling me that David Axelrod was not given the green light by the real president, Barack Obama, to go out there and and take the shiv to Joe Biden? Because that was a big political shiv. 
you're not going out there and you're, make, you're making that kind of political shiv on your own. Not when you've been with the, the Obamas all weekend. So that's coming right from the top. She's standing up there stumbling over her words and trying to go on about how it's not her job to tell people what to think. And then she'll spin and tell everybody exactly what they're supposed to think. But they don't have really they don't have an answer for the Axelrod problem because it's a big problem. And there's no way around it for them. Now, I'll get into this, some more of this with you. I've got I'm a, I'll replay the Bill Mark clip with Donna Brazil and another Bill Mark clip, too, that I'm going to share with you. Him talking about China and how the way that San Francisco responded to cleaning up the streets. And he actually says in that clip, this is why Trump is winning. This is why Trump is winning. But here is that that Congressman Daniel Goldman warning everybody about Trump and how dangerous he is and blah, blah, blah. And then he uses, as he talks about Trump's language, this is an irony alert. Think of the word he uses to say how Trump must be stopped. Take a listen. Every time he talks, he's uh, putting himself into a bigger criminal hole. Uh, but the, but his, that's not his objective. His objective mm-hmm. is purely political at this point. Uh, politics don't work in a courtroom, as I think he's finding out in the mm-hmm. New York attorney general's case in New York, a civil case. And, and that's going to continue in his criminal trials. But his rhetoric is really getting dangerous, more and more dangerous. And we saw what happened on January 6th when he uses inflammatory rhetoric now and his recent true social post uh, is incredibly, incredibly scary for anyone uh, that might be trying to op- work in government. And um, it is just uh, unquestionable at this point that that man cannot see public office again. He is not only unfit, he is destructive to our democracy uh, and he has to be uh, he has to be eliminated. He has to be eliminated. So you see, his rhetoric is so dangerous. Let me use the word eliminated when describing him. All right, more to come in our big fourth and final hour here, including the First Lady of New Jersey using your taxpayer dollars to promote herself as she runs for the United States Senate. But I want to thank my great friends at Cherry Hill Volvo for always trying to find the most aggressive pricing possible for you, the most aggressive incentives for you, to figure out the way to absolutely save you money on a beautiful Volvo, whether it's a new Volvo, a certified pre-owned, or you do the Care by Volvo lease program like I do, where every five months you get to drive a new one. Cherry Hill Volvo is about to go through a major renovation. So it's going to be a big renovation, and they got to make room for all the construction equipment. In order to do that, they are adding incentives to their already aggressive incentives, like $1,000 off a new Volvo plus owner loyalty on top of everything else. $2,000 off if you use Volvo car financing or lease on top of everything else. $7,500 off a Volvo plug-in. So there are so many reasons to get to Cherry Hill Volvo to save money and to enjoy the treatment that you'll get there because they will take amazing care of you. It's what they do at Cherry Hill Volvo. They believe in that. They believe in doing the right thing. You're going to love driving one too. You know, I have the XC40 now. And since we moved into the new house, I've had, like I said, I've had to make a lot of trips to the dump. But before that, I've had to load a lot of stuff into the car, driving back and forth from the houses. Uh, and it's just a ton of cargo room. It's a great SUV. I highly recommend it. Or if you want to do the XC90, the new family car with the third row, it's a beautiful way to go. And it's not a minivan, just saying. Or maybe the S-Class, made right here in South Carolina. Either way, at Cherry Hill Volvo, they'll take incredible care of you and find you the most aggressive pricing possible to get you into a Volvo. And if the car's not right for you, though, it it's not right for you, no problem. There's never any pressure. You can expect that from Cherry Hill Volvo because they always do what is right. Because at Cherry Hill Volvo, 
Relationships matter. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. So his royal highness, King Philippi Unaccountable's wife, is going to run for United States Senate. She's already got the backing of powerful, powerful Democratic County chairs. And she also has a radio ad out there, courtesy of you as a taxpayer. A $100,000 ad campaign featuring Tammy Murphy, now a candidate for the United States Senate. And the thing about it is that it was launched right after she announced that she was running for Senate. Uh, after this story came out, David Wildstein from the New Jersey Globe brought this out. So did Matt Rooney. The governor's office will pull the radio ads using the first lady's voice. But we have a number of Republicans calling for a ethics probe. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. It is our fourth and final hour, of course, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Interesting week for us, of course, with Thanksgiving here. But, uh, oh, and, and as I've been talking about all afternoon, it is Joe Biden's 81st birthday. Uh, he is rising in age and dropping in the polls fiercely. It's bad. It's really bad. But this is the story here. So two days after the first lady, Tammy Murphy, launched her United States Senate campaign. This would be the campaign to replace the crook Bob Menendez, who, of course, is so corrupt. I mean, everybody knows this. The New Jersey Department of Human Services was spending $100,000 to air radio commercials using the First Lady's voice to advocate for her signature issue, maternal and infant health. The use of tax dollars to fund ads featuring Murphy comes at a time when some Democrats are questioning whether Governor Murphy is using the power of his office to secure a Senate seat for his wife. Well, of course he is. He's got enormous power. He's putting enormous pressure on Democrat Party bosses, and he has the ability to withhold funds to counties, withhold appointments. He's got, he's the king. He's his royal highness. He's got the keys. He has more power than any other governor in the country when it comes to this stuff. So, of course, he's using it to get his wife a Senate seat. Obviously, you don't have to be a genius to figure that out. The governor's office told the New Jersey Globe on Friday evening that they would stop airing the ads featuring Tammy Murphy. Quote, out of an abundance of caution and to avoid even the slightest appearance of impropriety, we have decided that any radio ads featuring the First Lady's voice will be discontinued effective immediately and instead replaced with ads featuring other voices, said a spokesperson for his royal rugness, King Philip the Unaccountable. Jones said the Nurture NJ ad delivers critical information about maternal and infant health to historically underserved communities. The First Lady is deeply proud of the work that she has done in this space over the last six years. By the way, I hate that term, this space. What a cliche. Isn't that such... Oh, it's, it drives me nuts. Menda Mayor Christine Serrano-Glasner, the frontrunner for the Republican U.S. Senate nomination, called on the state comptroller to launch an ethics investigation. Quote, there is no reason for Nurture and Jay to continue using the governor's wife as a spokesperson now that she's officially declared herself as a candidate. This is just another example of the Murphy monarchy at work. You see, my terms inspire people. I was the first one to call him his royal rugness, King Philip the Unaccountable. And everybody now refers to him as a king. She criticized his royal highness for using government resources for the political benefit of his wife's Senate campaign. And said, while first ladies have appeared in official side-paid communications before, Mary Perry Christie joined her husband in a stronger-than-the-storm television commercial after Sandy. The circumstances are unprecedented. Murphy is both the wife of a governor and a candidate for statewide office. 
Democrats at the time, by the way, sharply criticized then-Governor Chris Christie for spending $2.2 million of federal Sandy relief funds on TV ads in an election year. At the time, Democrat Congressman Frank Pallone Jr. demanded and got the United States Department of Housing and Urban Development Inspector General to determine whether the expenditure was appropriate. Now, these radio ads, using Murphy's voice, uh, they were initially conceptualized and approved in August and September before the indictment of Democrat U.S. Senator Bob Menendez on bribery and conspiracy charges, and roughly $17,000 to $20,000 has been spent so far. Some ad insertion orders were placed with a start date of November 17th. So the New Jersey Department of Human Services is spending $250,000 on the second year of the Nurture NJ slash Connecting NJ marketing campaign. The communications plan was recommended in the 2021 Nurture NJ strategic plan. Still in the early phases of her first bid for public office, Murphy will need to watch out for optics and unforced errors. Quote from the director of the Rebovich Institute for New Jersey Politics at Ryder University. Just this week, Tammy Murphy said she'd be able to keep her political role as a candidate separate from her public role as first lady. And less than two days into her candidacy, New Jersey taxpayers are left to wish that were the case. And the messaging of the ads mirrors one of the major themes of her announcement video, leaving her open to criticism for using government funds to drive her campaign message. Quote from Rasmussen, if either role is to be successful, she will need to draw a much brighter line to get this going right forward. She must be especially careful about reinforcing the precaution or perception that state government powers are being used to advance her candidacy and blah, blah, blah. Bottom line is this, they're Democrats. They don't care. They, they don't care. They get away with this crap all the time. They, they're not worried about this. This is the ad, by the way, if you want to hear it. Hi, it's Tammy Murphy, mm. First Lady of New Jersey. My mission is to make New Jersey the safest and most equitable place in the nation to mm. deliver and raise a baby. Nurture NJ seeks to give black and brown women the support and respect they deserve in pregnancy, childbirth, and beyond. We can connect you to essential resources like WIC, lactation support, doulas, food assistance, and more. To find a center near you, visit nj.gov backslash connecting nj there you go and do we need her in that ad absolutely not no way absolutely not does nothing to help anybody but herself that's all it does it's not like somebody goes oh i really need a doula but unless i hear the first lady of new jersey say i can get a doula i'm not going to get a doula you need a doula and somebody's offering you a doula you're going to get the doula you get the doula you take the doula take the doula but you don't need her to tell you to take the doula if you need a doula and the state's paying for the doula. Got it? Obviously. It, this is just about self-promotion. Clearly. Clearly. In addition to that, of course, as was posted on Twitter today by, let's see, Rachel Mary Call of New Jersey. She said, New Jersey State Board of Education voted in new learning standards June 3rd, 2020, nine months before the legislature passed any curriculum bills. The public was prohibited from attending, but Tammy Murphy went, commenting she was so happy with the new sex curriculum and urging the board to vote yes. 
So the resolution, which I have here in my formerly pangolin-stained fingers, is resolve the State Board of Education, reaffirms its commitment to ensuring the standards both set exceptions and for the needs of New Jersey students, and blah, blah, blah. Resolve the State Board of Education hereby directs that the revised New Jersey student learning standards, blah, 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 blah. And uh, here's the introduction to First Lady Tammy Murphy, who was introduced by the commissioner... And said that she's been an invaluable partner to the Department of Education since the beginning of the New Jersey student learning review and revision process. He stated that from her remarks at the kickoff in March 2019 to an in-person visit with various standards review teams, her leadership and passion around environmental education has been inspirational. He further noted that the First Lady has been a steady champion for the cause of climate change and the role that education plays in helping to solve it. And then she gives her remarks. And she says, before I begin, I want to thank and acknowledge the incredible teachers across the state and the country who have worked tirelessly to teach virtual classes during the pandemic. Your determination to continuing education has not gone unnoticed. And New Jersey thanks you wholeheartedly, even as her husband was still keeping schools locked down. And the thing about it is that she was... It was not just the sex uh, education thing, but this curriculum, the climate change stuff, too. It's indoctrinating your children. She brags about this in her announcement video, brags about this, this climate change curriculum so that your children can be indoctrinated and the brainwashing can continue. And this is what they do. And this is this is this is not a side gig for them. This is what they all believe. I'm a parent. You're a parent, maybe a grandparent. Maybe your kids are older now, but. You don't want your kids to be indoctrinated. This is the fight that every parent is facing right now. It's the fight we are facing. It is to push back against the indoctrination. But you see, Tammy Murphy's smart. You know, she gets it. She figures that her royal highness, the king, can get her a Senate seat. Because nobody, none of these Democrat party bosses are going to stand in his way. Not when there's money on the line, jobs on the line, pensions, patronage, all that stuff. They're not going to stand in his way. And, they, and the Murphys, they want to be the Clintons. They want to have a dynasty. He wants to be president, obviously. Obviously, he's just waiting for the call. Hey, New Jersey. Hey, New Jersey. I can do it. I can do it. Look at my teeth and my hair. New Jersey. I staple the rug on. <laughs> he's waiting for the call to come. So they want to be a power couple. And it's completely inappropriate because Democrat Party bosses are not going to buck the governor. So she's going to get the seat. And Bob Menendez is not going to be able to to win in that primary because they'll put them on the way it works in Jersey. They have these column systems, you know, so column A, column B, column C, and then you'll be in column double Z, X, Y, five, nine, two, seven. You know, you'll have to spend 15 minutes on the ballot just trying to find it. And you, you won't be able to, that's the game. That's the scam. That's the, that's the scam as it's called. But it, it, but they're Democrats. So they, this is what they do. They do this crap and they get away with it. And everybody's supposed to look the other way. Everybody's supposed to look the other way. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. By the way, uh, in Pennsylvania, there is something I wanted to mention to you as well, and that has to do with schools. And our buddies at the Commonwealth Foundation pointed this out to us as well, that the Pennsylvania House Democrats stripped out of a bill what would have been the largest ever funding increase for school scholarships, effectively robbing students of $150 million in funding. $150 million in funding for state scholarships. 
And, and, and we understand why, because they don't want school choice. They don't want to give kids opportunity to get out of the indoctrination system. There's, the indoctrination system exists for a reason, to indoctrinate children, and they don't want to give them the ability to opt out of that. And they know that money keeps them from doing that. If the kids, if the kids' parents can't afford it, then they're not going to. Like, you know, parents defending education made this point earlier. That you have these clubs, you know, these genders and these sexuality alliance clubs. They're called GSAs, and they're popping up in schools across the country. They're evolving beyond their traditional role as a social club. They are emerging as vehicles for deep social change related to racial, gender, and educational justice. And they start as early as preschool and safe spaces and everything else. I mean, you know, and and then when parents turn around and go, you know what, I don't want my kids in indoctrination camp, and also this stinks, and the school's not that good anyway, then what happens? What happens? Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. All right, Biden is older, and he's going to lose. He's going to lose. Bill Maher said it best. He's going to lose. And you can pretend like he's he's just fine. You can pretend, but that's not the case. Joe Biden is too old, and the perception is reality, and he's going to lose. So over the weekend on Real Time with Bill Maher, he had done a Brazil on. And he points out to Donna Brazil how Joe Biden is not going to be reelected president. He, he's going to lose. And perception is reality, and that's just reality. And remember, Donna Brazil, of course, who has been a prominent Democrat who helped him get debate questions at CNN, she's very, very uh, in the Joe Biden camp, at least publicly anyway, at least publicly. But she's also on Team Obama. So I think that the David Axelrod team, they're, they're, there's something going on here. There's something afoot to get him out of the race. Here's a little bit from Real Time the other night. Prominent Democrats like David Axelrod calling for Biden to, quote, get out or get going. Did he say that? Get out or get going? Uh, I believe in the tweet or two and some stuff. Look, mm, people who think that Joe Biden is, is, is perhaps too old, they are right. Perhaps. <laughs> don't, don't spill the water. Something might come out of it. Uh, <laughs> All right, I don't even know what that is. I don't even get that. You know, everyone ages differently. I agree. I've said, and, I've, and, you know, so, so Betty White lived to be 99. No. Mick Jagger is still twisting his ass. Mr. Right. right. I, I've been the one making that case year after year here against ageism. I always said it's a case-by-case case basis. It's but, a case-by-case. But case. for that argument to have teeth, it all, you also have to be the person who can go, yeah, but this is the case. And it, I, I've said it before. Do I think Joe Biden can do the job? Absolutely. Yes. I don't think he can win the job. And that's what I care about. He's going to lose because the people think he's too old. And perception is reality. Perception is reality. It's true. And the corporate media is spending a lot of time pointing this out. Steve Kornacki on Meet the Press over the weekend with Kristen Welker uh, going on about the latest results of the NBC News poll. That is bad, bad, really bad, no good, terrible, bad news for Joe Biden. And this is what it says. Biden, what is his job approval rating? We measure it now at 40 percent with 57 percent disapproving the significance. That is the lowest President Biden has ever measured in our poll in terms of job approval. And just look at the sea change from the start of this year. Remember, early this year, Democrats coming off a strong 2022 midterm. He was almost even. Now he's 17 points underwater on this question. Significant dip there, Steve. It, it is. And you can actually, if you take a look here by party, I think it's 
significant for two reasons. One, independence, obviously, more than two to one disapproved. You don't want to be there as an incumbent president, but I think equally significant, no surprise, 7% of Republicans approve of Joe Biden's job performance, but three times as many Democrats, 21%, that's more than one in five, say they disapprove. You need much more unified Oof. support in your own party if you're going to have a successful reelection Oof. campaign. And we mentioned the drop in that approval rating in the connection to the Middle East. And here it is on foreign policy, 33 percent approve of Joe Biden's job performance. Just in September, we asked the same question and it was 4153. You know the problem here, right, for Joe Biden? I mean, the problem is this stinks so bad for him. Foreign policy, domestic policy, it's really bad. And Kornacki goes on later to say that young voters are really disapproving of Joe Biden. They really are. No, no question about it. So then add that with the black voters, the Latino voters and everybody else. And then take something else into account, which is that. And, I, and again, I'll quote Bill Maher. I'll, I'll, I'll throw Bill Maher back into this for the moment. As we talked about this a lot last week on the show, they cleaned up the streets of San Francisco. They got all the poop out of the streets. They did everything else like that. And they did all that. Uh, interestingly enough, they just did all that uh, like overnight. They snapped their fingers and then uh, overnight, just like that. So explain to me why that happens and then you got the chinese flags being flown chinese flags being flown everywhere and this is part of the reason why as bill maher says trump is winning okay let's talk politics a little bit okay everybody i see is very excited that nikki haley is now um, only 35 points behind Trump. We finally have a winner for yeah. a distant second. Right. <laughs> uh, and I want to try a theory out on you why Trump is killing it, not just within the party, but he's beating Biden handily too. Um, because Xi, President Xi of China, came to our state this week mm-hmm. and met with Biden up in San Francisco. Um, and they had a little summit. and. They did something very interesting in San Francisco. I mean, I have done many, many jokes, as many comedians have, about stepping in poop in San Francisco. And, you know, just it's a city that needs to be put under control. So they did, because Xi was coming. Put aside the fact that you only clean up when company coming over. Okay. And he's showing pictures of the tents. Vagrants off the street. And the the homeless. Homeless, you know. God forbid the guy who (laughs) sends us the fentanyl sees somebody on fentanyl. Uh, you know, <laughs> so you know, it's like this to me is why Trump is winning because he talks about I'm going to open up the mental hospitals again. I'm not saying these are necessarily the good solutions, but he talks. I'm going to put people in camps, the immigrant, all this kind of stuff, and people just see a place, that, a, a country, especially in the cities, that looks out of control. And the fact that the Democrats could control it for three days. How about making it permanent? What do you think? You used to be the DNC chairman. <laughs> well, first of all, imagine if people, and he's saying that to Donna Brazil, imagine if people actually wanted that to be permanent. Imagine that. You know, I was in uh, New Orleans over the weekend, and same thing, I, I saw a, a very, very dirty city. And, and what really got to me about it is that, you know, you have these cities in America, they're supposed to be drivers for economic tourism. And when they're Democrat run, they go to hell in a handbasket. And people see this. And there's a pattern here. 
And it's a real problem for them, and there is no answer to it. So let's hear Donna Brazil try to flub her way through this answer. Right, we do clean up when company comes. We clean up when the Super Bowl is in our neighborhood. We clean up when we have the World Series. We always clean up when something different happens. The question is, can we keep it clean? No, can you can't. we all pull in together to ensure that homeless people are not forced to sleep on the street? Look, most Americans do. You know who's forcing homeless people to, street, to sleep on the streets? Democrats, because their policies are to let them sleep on the streets, that it's justice, that they've got justice by being allowed to sleep on the streets. Give me a break. Uh, give me a break. Hey, speaking of China, by the way, uh, EcoHealth Alliance, the, the select subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic, they put out a statement and there was a little news story about this because EcoHealth Alliance President Peter Daszak was mentored by the now infamous advisor to Dr. Fauci, Asanto Fauci, Anthony Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease doctor, who likely illegally deleted federal COVID-19 origins material. Here's a little bit of that news story from Fox News well, about this. Because first of all, who is Peter Daszak? So he is the head of EcoHealth Alliance. It's a nonprofit that receives NIH grants, in other words, taxpayer dollars. He is a zoologist, not a virologist, yet he's doing coronavirus research in China, in Wuhan, that did involve gain-of-function research or creation of chimeras. So we had a transcribed interview with him uh, this past week, and we learned a few things. One, uh, we learned that he was warned about the dangers of a possible pandemic by the CCP or before the CCP went public with it. Uh, we also realized that he was able to brief Dr. Fauci as after he went to China and to the WIV, the Wuhan Institute of Virology in 2021. And he, he represented, I guess, America at that point uh, for that. But he briefed Dr. Fauci afterwards, so he has a relationship with him. He also said that Dr. David Morins was his mentor. Dr. Morins was an advisor to Dr. Fauci. What we have found when we get into internal documents is Dr. Morins actually said to those that were working with Dr. Fauci to claim that the COVID virus came from nature, he told them, I want you to email me on my Gmail because these blankety blanks are foyering me, and I don't want them to see things. So if I have it on my Gmail, I delete what I don't want to get into New York Times, which is illegal. And the archives suggested that NIH investigate him. And to date, they will not turn over any part of the. They will not turn over any part of this uh, of this investigation investigation on his illegal activities so um, this is what we're dealing with we're dealing with agencies that are trying to avoid us at all costs that's brett wenstrop he is the chairman of the house select subcommittee on the origins of covid19 all right have a great rest of your night tonight the great one mark levin is up next and we will be back with you tomorrow from three until seven in the con- in the meantime keep the conversation going on twitter at rich zioli thank you Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? 
This boy isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.